to the Vintage Rebellion podcast. I'm Richard Hutchinson and I'm your host for episode 108, The Vintage Rebellion's Christmas Carol. Joining me as always is Peter Davis. Good evening, Pete. Good evening, Richard. Oh my crikey, it's almost another year's end. Where's it going? I'll mean, be 10 years next year. 10 years of the podcast. Wow. Who Ten. thought it? 10. Pete, it's almost Christmas. By the time we get this show out, it'll be even closer to Christmas. What are you most looking forward to on your Christmas dinner? The Christmas dinner? Oh, crikey. Um, probably the entertainment of the dog that will try and eat everything. And then she'll eat too much and then flake out in her cage. Next on the list, it's Andy Spoons Norton. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Richard. Andy, you're a pudding kind of guy. Any favourites? Oh, I'm sure we have this conversation a lot. I do like my puddings. Uh, I enjoyed my Christmas pudding at Farthest From last weekend. I am a big apple pie person, as we know. I don't like it with milk, though, as you know. But for Christmas, um, I don't know. I do like Christmas cake, but not a massive fan. Do you know what? I really like. I like a mince pie, a hot mince pie with a big dollop of cream. I'll enjoy that at Christmas period. Spoons, he wasn't talking desserts, he was just being rude about you or your body well, shape. I'm, I'm quite svelte these days, I've lost a bit of weight, so I could, I could take these insults. Alice, good evening, Jason Smith. Good evening, Rich, how are you doing? Jason, what's your choice of Christmas tipple on Christmas Day? Oh, uh, I like a bit of box fizz in the morning, and I think there'll be quite a lot of red wine with dinner this year, so yes, red wine and... This is a true story, this Jason, right? But I actually can't tell the difference between red and white wine. They both taste like vinegar to me. Really? That's insane, Richard. I just can't. You you put red wine in front of us, white wine in front of us, blindfolders, and I would just say they both taste exactly the same. I put them on my chips. White wine's normally chilled and red wine's not. As long as you can identify it as wine. He's northern. He doesn't do wine. Anyway, right. quite mixed together is rosé, as you must all know. It just does Nuit Brune. That's I'm, it. Are you, are you sure it's not actually vinegar that someone's just put in a wine bottle? <laughs> no, but actually, I think it is. I think vinegar and wine taste exactly the same. Next, <laughs> we have Andy Preston. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Richard. I'm uh, just caught with that image of you putting wine on your chips. Andy... You, you strike me as a, a Christmas party game kind of guy, so what's your favourite game that you're most looking forward to play on Christmas? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, well, we bought a new one. The kids don't know about this yet because it's one of their Christmas presents, but uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. But basically, you've got an inflatable tail 
that hangs down between your legs and you've got various targets and uh, you've got to go around the room and pick up I'm these just, targets I'm with your table. That, that sounds potentially painful. Uh, yeah, quite possibly. I'm sure it's going and to be a good laugh. So we're looking, we're looking forward to that one. And yes, <laughs> I think we played that game in the primary school. Yeah, um, find the place. <laughs> Well, guys, episode 108, Vintage Rebellion Christmas Carols. So have the podcast team been getting set in their ways and neglecting to look after this hobby of ours? Are they thinking that getting loving your items for your collection is a humbug? Will they eventually end up alone, sad, and miserable with unloved collections? Is there anything that they might do to change their collecting waves? Well, tonight they're going to be visited by three spirits sent to show them the true meaning of Christmas collecting. On a side note, I've been absolutely bombarded with Facebook ads recently about the 20 most pointless collections or something now where these these 20 collections were worth a mega fortune five, ten years ago and are totally worthless now. And things like Barbie and that are in that collection now. I don't know if you have been bombarded those ads. I saw that. I've not been bombarded, but I saw that today for the first time, but I didn't didn't click on it. Is that? Is yeah, that, yeah I, I read it. that and looked at it, and I disagreed with quite a lot of it. A lot of it was saying these things are worthless, but this little bit of it is actually worth quite a lot of money. So yeah, I read that as well. But things like pogs and tazos, everybody knew they were going to be worthless anyway, so that was only pointless. Yeah, I, but, uh, I disagree, Rich, on some of that. I mean, having a little insight into a bit of the world of Barbie, there's there's kind of like several collecting things. There's like your, your play ones where you get in a shop for like a couple of quid and they're never worth anything unless they were like ultra rare. But these ones which have been like designed by, you know, design, actual designers, you know, these famous people, those guys seem to go up all the time. They go, you know, people pay ridiculous money for them. So I don't agree with that one. I think that's nonsense because there's so much release and there's so many collectors still out there. Well, so, I saw the piece on trains, you know, Hornby double O train sets, that sort of thing. And I disagree with that as well because uh, my lad's into his trains. And he likes buying up new trains and carriages and bits and pieces, and he spends a fortune on it. So uh, that certainly has not gone cheap. <laughs> I can tell that from experience. Yeah, yeah, those sort of things. I mean, that, that's kind of like the man's world of collecting, isn't it? I mean, I think. I mean, we've all said, oh yeah, dinky cars and dinky toys, they all disappear, and they're still they're still going. People are still collecting because there are new cars, you know, like Hot Wheels and all that sort of stuff, and it just fuels that collecting side of things, isn't it? Because you know, Star Wars, we've got our kind of generation collecting. This is probably not the, the latest generation collecting, but you've got the people will start picking up, you know, their era of Star Wars figures and then go, oh, you know what, I fancy a bit of vintage or a bit of modern or a bit of something else. So I think that's just someone who's bitter. But we've all clicked on the Facebook link, so whoever did it's doing their job right. Moving on to the show then. So a great question was sent in by a listener, Chris Mian, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, he wrote something I thought was quite interesting. I think we have kind of answered this question before, but it was a long time ago, and I don't think we put it all together in one kind of way. But his email that he sent in was, I'm one of the many people you seem to speak to, and about that was into Star Wars in my younger days. I went away for a while, while other life duties called, and returned with a vigorous interest in collecting and Star Wars in general. Now that I have my own kids, I'm sort of reliving it all over again. I would like to try and attend one or more of the conventions you all talk about, but I'd like to know more about which one would be best for people like me, relatively new to collecting, interested primarily in vintage, etc. I've heard you guys talk about celebration, US and Europe, different cons I think, 
Echo Live, Forest Forum and probably a few others. I wonder if one of your podcasts might think it worth covering these conventions and others and how they differ from each other and which might be best for people with particular interests, such as those buying vintage, guests, autographs, panels about collecting. Are some really geared towards all things Star Wars, while some are really cool about collecting and have more vintage available for purchase? I won't be able to attend a ton of these, but I'd like to know how you see them as similar or different from each other. If I have these questions, perhaps other listeners do too. If you feel something worth discussing in the podcast, I'd love to hear more about the topic. Well, I've got to say, I absolutely do think that this is a great introductory topic, considering this is one of the very, very few years that we've had Celebration Echo Fathers from, and you could probably toss in London from the Comic Con and a few of those in there too, all in the same year, but all within about six months of each other. What I've done then, guys, is I've grouped these together. Okay, so I've kind of put them in your areas, and Andy Preston, I'm coming to you first, because you're probably the only one who is absolutely dead set and passionate about guests and autographs and things like that. One or two others may dip in and dip out, but I, I think you really like put your fingers in the pie with guests. So, Celebration, Echo, FF, London Philip Comic Con, any of those that you want to, to toss in there. How would you rate the guest experience and if somebody's particularly interested in guests, meeting guests and autographs, which one would you recommend? Yeah, well, before I start, Rich, can I just state for the record that I've never put my fingers in any guest's pie? But in terms of which convention for guests, I think it depends on what you're after. Now, if you want the big name guests, the, you know, the, the stars, the guys that only come up once in a you know once in a, a few years then the two to go for a celebration and the film and comic cons london film and comic con and the the other big ones and there you'll meet the the ewan mcgregors and the hayden christensons and yeah, like i say the big big names you will pay through the nose for them especially if you want a photo as well as an autograph you will spend ages waiting in a queue to meet them you'll be shuffled in front of them you'll have about three seconds while they take your photograph or give you your autograph and then you'll be shuffled out again so yeah you get to meet them uh, people that you don't get to meet anywhere else but the experience of meeting these guys probably not the best if you want more of the guest experience and a chance to meet these folks and chat to them spend a bit of time with them ask some questions then it's the smaller cons that you want to be heading for you want to be heading for uh, echo base live uh, farthest from uh, at these events you don't get the same caliber of guests you're never going to get ewan mcgregor at one of these but you will get some really good guests really interesting people uh, generally folks that have been uh, in the original trilogy although you know it's nice to meet people from the new movies as well and there is time to do that there's time to chat there's time to chill uh, echo even offers tickets for a meal with the guests before the show um so you'll be on a table with a guest and you get the chance to you know to, to to chat and mingle and really get to know them and those are excellent autograph prices are cheaper you've not got the same in the way of queues so yeah i, I think all of these cons have got their pros and pros and cons it's <laughs> a joke in there somewhere but, uh, you know, you, you get a different experience and at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. But I would thoroughly recommend going to any of these. You know, they've, they're all worth attending. Uh, they've all got their own specialties, their own finer points. Uh, so, uh, yeah, dip your toe in the water. Get out, get in there and see which ones you enjoy. 
Jason, I'm coming to you next then. So for panels, collecting panels, learning things, presentations, how would you rank the four and other kind of con experiences? Oh, yeah. So collecting panels, I mean, for the sheer number of panels that you'll get at a con and the quality of them, um, Celebration kind of wins hands down on, on the selection of cons that you've mentioned. Kind of London-based cons have had... 12 panels in the past we've had 15 or the american ones tend to go up to about 20 i think the last one here in london we had i'll have to count the medallions i think there might have been 20 at that one as well so yeah i mean the 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 panels you know there's a wide selection of topics on those panels a lot of niche vintage collecting panels a lot more broader ones and some which are really far out there i remember um one of the london um celebrations a number of years ago we had Shane Turgeon uh, with um, Star Wars and Divorce as a, a panel topic which was uh, well, quite a sobering experience for everyone that one was um, but yeah there, there's been a lot of interesting panels so celebration hands down um, the smaller cons Echo and Farthest From um, Echo might have one of the guests may do a panel that's kind of off the trade floor area um, I think I've been to a couple uh, featuring um, Bob, who's got his book out now. Um, so, you know, and then farthest from um, the Christmas one, they had panels at the, the dinner the day before. And I think they had the same the same guests were giving panels up the stairs. So I didn't go upstairs to see those panels, but they have a couple of panels as well. And then there's other events. You know, I, I went to uh, May the North Be With You this year, which was a. Canadian con, and that had a full day of panels, and um, they had some really great guests at that, and um, I signed up for Rogue Fun in Georgia next year, and again, they'll probably have a full day of panels, so they're kind of like between the two kind of spectrum ends, but for the sheer quantity and wide range of subjects, um, you've really got to go to a celebration for that. Um, Pete, if somebody was interested in buying vintage how would you rank those four cons? Oh, oh, that's a that's a bit of a cheek one, that is rich, because like you could you could oh, all of them can have their moments and their bargains. Um, I would say for celebration, well, I mean, a celebration in London um, was a little bit of a, a miss when it came to collecting vintage. There were vintage sellers there, but because of the tables are so expensive, you've got to take that to consideration. So I would say the bigger the event in the UK that I, that I would probably, unless you want to just spend money for fun, I would maybe avoid buying vintage from the, from the really, really big stuff because, you know, the tables are spending thousands of pounds to have the table there. So prices do tend to be, you know, whacked up a little bit to kind of attract those sort of big, you know, the, the big con kind of collected types. Who go? Oh, yeah, I've got. Yeah, I've, I've just spent ten grand on going to London. I'll spend a bit more on some stuff. And if you want your proper bargains and a bit of negotiating, and you know, probably finding the condition you want, I would I would head to a place like Echo and Farthest From, because those are places where you know it, it is going to be a little bit cheaper because it, it's a you know it's much much cheaper for the for the sellers to 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 actually have their wares on sale. So they're not trying to, you know, I mean, I think, what was it? Celebration, some of those tables, like seven, eight, nine, ten thousand pounds for the weekend. So they were trying to recover those costs. 
uh, farthest from an echo you're talking you know a much smaller amount under 100 pounds you know down to farthest from what 10 20 pounds for a table and stuff so you'll get more of a realistic market price of those places uh, but that's not like that's that is not to say that you know if you're if, if like, this person is listening that's not to say that's a um, a rule anything you, you can find it i would always i would always head to a place where there was lots of collectors so Whereas you might avoid the celebration shop floor, the fact that you're going to get a lot of people there who are collectors and sellers and you will get a big chunk of collectors in one area. So you'll get things like room sales, evening sales. You might get talked to a collector and say, oh, yeah, I, I bought with me a, a bunch of uh, box stuff that I want to flog tonight at room sales. So you can you can still get your bargains. You can still get your your stuff. It, but I would say you go to a convention, talk to people. That's that's the thing you want to do. Talk to people, engage with the community, and you will get those those collectibles. Well, I'm going to chime in now before I come to Spoons to wrap up the overall experience. So I would say if you're somebody brand new, because we've all been there, my first introduction to meeting the likes of Jason and Grant and Jez and, and various other people was actually at Celebration. And I went to Celebration Europe 2, hardly knowing anybody at all, and I went to the panels and I chose the panels I wanted to go to. So when I was on the shop floor, it's too busy. You you, you don't know you don't see anybody, you don't know anybody. It's just people walking past. It's it's very very difficult to interact. But queuing up for the panels, you know that there are fellow collectors in those panels. Otherwise, what would they be there for? And certainly when I was standing in a queue, um, I tapped this you know wrinkly bald-headed guy and I went hi are you Jez by any chance and he turned around and says oh yeah I'm Jez and obviously we, we interacted and we had a conversation and then he introduced me to Grant who we'd known for the year before and then Jason was right at the front you know locked locked at the red doors to make sure nobody got in before he did and that was the kind of interaction that I had so once I got talking to people in the queues of the panels you then naturally start asking about room sales and you just basically hang around you get brought along the crowd you get along the room sales and then you start interacting talking to each other so once i did celebration so i i think every celebration is the same really when you're on the shop floor it can be very i'm not gonna say lonely because it's not not correct but you, you can be very isolated on the shop floor but it's the after events and the side stages and the whatever's going on upstairs and the tiny little rooms that nobody visits that's where the, the true vintage stuff's going on Next down from that is your, your London Film of Comic Cons. Now, the thing with London Film of Comic Cons is that it's not all Star Wars, so I could go to one of those, but I've been to many of them, and I've only bumped into maybe two or three of the people who collect Star Wars in, the, in all the ones I've been to. Now, I haven't done the London one, and I know obviously Jason has, but I'm, I'd imagine if I went to London, I'm going to see Jason cosplaying, I'm going to see, you know, one or two other sellers and, and other people you know in the community who are popping down but that's not a star wars thing it you know it, it could be any of the you know the film movie franchises and then when you've got echo and father's form so father's form was perfect for us we we started going to father's form at exactly the right time when the old stars form uk was really thriving and everybody was interacting on that on a virtual daily basis you had the same hardcore hundred say users each day interact with each other and then we all knew we were going down to father's farm and obviously we arranged to meet in the pub we all went down and that's when we started talking to each other so that was a completely different beast echo was a bit different because that was like going to another new con for the first time 
and whereas you knew your father's from people you didn't know all of these newer collectors who came from facebook or collectors who perhaps been collecting for a long time but hadn't been on the forum so you had another huge different you know mix of people now with regards to interacting with people that echo and father's from um, again a good way to do that is to you know arrange to go to one of the curry nights or perhaps to ask questions about you know is anybody having a beer or even going for breakfast in the morning somewhere and then just walking around talk to people on the tables telling people what your likes what your dislikes are and, and i think personally because celebration next celebration is in japan and, and i think it would be a silly idea for anybody to go to japan for the first celebration uh, because you're not going to get a true feeling of what celebration is um and the celebration in the states are so big and so busy you just might get exhausted realistically you're probably looking at the next echo and you're looking at the next father's from and then when you work out your travel distance and do you want to stay overnight or do you want to not stay overnight um so personally i, I would look at it from that point of view how close do i live to redditch how close do i live to father's from perhaps contact one or two people join the facebook group you know the father's from facebook group the echo live who's going anyone going you know what what's people going to bring just ask questions and then when you get down there at least you've already broken down those barriers right spoons coming over to you then to wrap all this up and so how would you describe the overall experience of each of those events well i think yeah i think i'm pretty much going to summarize what the the, the four of you have, have talked about um but the key thing about any of these events is you get out of it what you put in you know any any event anywhere you can wander around it not interacting with anyone you, you might have a great time it might be the way the way you are but the more the more you do interact and engage with sellers other attendees exhibits whatever you're going to get far more out of it and and the ones that uh, Chris has has mentioned, Fathers from Echo and Celebration, I think I think are all suitably different. That it's kind of it's kind of up to the individual what they feel that they were like the best. So for me, Fathers from feels the most, and I think this is this is meant feels most like the old school toy fairs that I used to go to when I when I first started collecting. Now there's not it's, it's a fantastic event, don't get me wrong, but there's not a huge amount of stalls there. If you're just there to buy some vintage, you can wander around in an hour, I'd say. But if you if you're going there for the collectors, the friends, the community, it's a whole weekend. So that's you know that's the difference between these these kind of events. Now. I take my family with me on a, on a lot of these things. I've never taken them to Fathers From, although Heather keeps dropping hints. And when I mentioned that uh, Jason's new lady was was going, she was like, well, why, why are I going to be there? And I do think that if you're not a, a diehard collector, something like Fathers From is going to be a little bit more extreme. It is all vintage. The I know they had the, the fun day the day before. I've not been to that, so I, I can't really, really comment. But it's it's all vintage, but it's all about the collectors. It's it's catching up, discussing things, going out to the Christmas one, particularly going out for that Christmas meal. Yeah, there's guest speakers, there are people signing things, but it's on a it's on a lower key. There's some excellent guests there, but generally fewer than you might get, certainly at a big event like Celebration and fewer than you, you, you get at the echo these days. Um you got you got the talks, you got the signings, you've got elements of everything else, but really for me, I mean this is obviously from my perspective, it's all about the vintage and it's all about the collectors farthest from. So actually that's probably a good place to start. Echo 
is is great and that is one that that i take the family to because it's a bit of everything it's not just vintage it's in the middle of a big shopping center so you get more members of the public going in or you, you do get that at farthest from as well it's not on, not on the same scale just just families out doing their shopping in redditch wandering around wondering what's going on and there are there's it, it feels more like one of the the bigger um you know maybe a bit like memorabilia at the nec used to be so you've got people doing signing not not on the same scale but those actors that maybe had a mask on in the film or a stormtrooper something like that whilst at, at farthest from you tend you tend to get a slightly different type of person doing talks and, and signings but it's yeah it's much much bigger event aimed at families so not not really comparable great fun but if you it, I'd probably say that one if you don't know anyone it's going to be a little bit more daunting now richard you mentioned before Fathers from starting at a good time everyone from star wars forum uk back when it used to be memorabilia in the 2000s at the nec the star wars forum lot would all meet at dave tree's stall or, or, or another stall that that people knew and that and that's where you'd meet up at these bigger events if you haven't got that that pre-arranged place to meet or you haven't everyone's not wearing the same t-shirts and there's loads of star wars forum t-shirts out there you recognize someone i've had that celebration you got your star wars forum uk t-shirt on someone sees you and knows you're off that forum it's, it's really handy but something like echo if, if you've not arranged that beforehand it's you're gonna struggle to meet people randomly unless you put the effort in and go and go and talk to people uh, and then celebration is just completely different again and for me vintage collecting is probably the the least important part of celebration actually the uh the you know I'd always have a look around the the stalls and there's some and, and buy some things it's in, interesting stuff but it's not about the vintage collecting celebration that is about a celebration of star wars it's just so much going on i love all the panels but there's i don't just do panels because there's too too much other stuff going on so you know that that's about immersing yourself in in the world of star wars in my i've, I've only ever been to the europe ones um and my three experiences here have all been very different so the first one i went to in 2007 was just for the day that was where the kids were very little wandering around sitting in a snow speeder uh, looking at exhibits the palatoy exhibit thing things like that is all very interesting and went away but didn't do any socializing after the show met, met up with jason and a few others ed was there as well i think wasn't he jason and uh, we, we got a photo in our t-shirts but uh, that that was it. I didn't didn't hang out with anyone in, in the pubs or anything. Then the next one, put a bit more effort in, went for a couple of days. Certainly went and went to panels that time. Did more socialising with collectors, but not not the evening socialising. And it, it was a great event. The one I've just done, doing the full weekend socialising in the evening, room sales and all the other stuff as well. That was the best by far because I did the most. So, but so it really is about. It's about what you want to get from it as much as anything. But they are, they are very different events. And then, yeah, you've got your film and comic cons and everything else. It's all they're all sort of variations on a theme. What do you want? If it's if it's autographs, a certain type, if it's vintage toys, you go to a different event. If it's superstars giving talks on stages, it's celebration. That's pretty much it in a nutshell. And I've got to say as well that, I mean, I was listening to a video of some idiot ranting the other day and he was talking about some of the old school collectors and how they're quite aloof and they're difficult to integrate with. It's an absolute load of rubbish. 
it doesn't matter what show it is, whether it's Celebration or whether it's, you know, Father's From or Echo or some of these, like me, the North Bay with you that Jason's going to or the Summer Socials in Atlanta. All collectors I've found are genuinely nice guys. Um, they are willing to talk. They are willing to answer questions. I mean, I mean, just think and six seven years ago i wouldn't have dreamed for one second that i would have had the opportunity to go and visit Ron salvatore's house and have a look at his amazing collection but he was so welcoming he was you know just couldn't do any more for you you had other guys who've been collecting you know since mid 80s and doing the dumpster dives and all that kind of stuff and they were like if you're ever in new york again you can stay at my house i've got a spare room you can stay there um are you coming to the summer social jason's going to get bombarded with this now because he's done one and he's got another one coming up he's going to be invited to lots of annuals these guys are so so welcome so i wouldn't be put off by any of these I mean it's a standard rule isn't it it's just if you're going to be a dick they're going to be a dick back but if you're going to be a genuine kind of you know interested guy who's asking questions then they're going to they're going to answer them quite happily and we've all seen these celebration panels you know and, and they give out some wonderful information but the Q&A is brilliant but these guys also hang back after it as well so you can walk up to them you ask them questions, you know, you can just have a chat with them and say, look, uh, I was really interested in, you know, uh, one of the ones I was watching about was uh, displays and lights and things like that. And I mean, what the hell am I going to go to a panel about displays and lights for? But I went to it anyway and I, I found myself absolutely fascinated. And then I went up and asked them questions about these displays and, you know, the certain type of bulbs and how, how to stop fading and things like that. And they were genuinely nice guys. And then, then that's when I'll say, I'll, I'll, see your room sales tonight are you coming along it's at this hotel we'll be there at six o'clock catch you there you know wonderful stuff but i think overall the, the collecting community it's it can't be daunting it absolutely can't be i think we were all very much daunted the first one we went to but once you've stepped into that world you know there's just absolutely no looking back and for me I would say the Star Wars Celebration US is it, it was for me the absolute pinnacle. I've done Florida and I've done Chicago and they were absolutely amazing and the vintage at them absolutely dwarfed what you got in London. But better than that was the annual and the social I think that Jason's going to go to where you're actually going around guys' houses and people are picking you up in the cars, you're getting invited into the families, you know, it's just such a different experience and... Um, you know, have a, have a great time. And Jason, I'm super jealous you're going to Atlanta next summer. Thank you. Ghosts of Star Wars collecting past. How did we store our figures as a kid? What did I do with them? Did I have like a tow board? Did I have a toy chest? And then I remembered I did have a white toy chest, a bit like one of those, you know, NAF IKEA chests now but I, I remember I had like you lifted it up and I had an arm that would stay open but I probably destroyed that within a few weeks and it would just slam down um, but I certainly remember all my toys would end up thrown in there um, I do remember my X-Wing sticking out at one point and all my figures they must have sat into a little toy which I've got no memory of although I did keep most of my stuff in my Darth Vader's carry case as, as much as I remember um, but other than that I have no recollections so Jason if I went to your house in 1979, 1980, and you said, I'm going to get me Star Wars toys out, where would you be going? What would you be getting? 
I know we've covered this before, Rich, but um, I had the first 12 figures and I had the land speeder, so the 12 figures were stored inside the land speeder box. There you go. Now, you see, that is interesting, that, actually, because that's, that, there was enough room in there to store the land speeder and the figures. Yeah, well, I didn't, I, I think the, I, I threw the inserts away, so it was just the, the loose, the loose land speed and the loose figures. And they stayed in there all up until the time that I started collecting again in about late 2003, 2004. I actually went out and went, oh, I've still got my figures, here they are in this box, along with the land speeder, so yes. Wow. That's, I've never heard anyone do that before, Jason. Good shout, that. Good shout. Pete, did you bury yours? Well, we talked about that before. Uh, some figures um, ended up in the back garden, buried and left, like week away, still there somewhere. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, in terms of storage, I think it was under the bed. It was in ice cream tubs uh, that Mom would get. It's all right, just stick them in there. I think most of the weapons survived. I think for most of my figures, the weapons did survive, so they, they did. They, they ended up in the bottom of the, the ice cream tubs. But I think I can't remember having any, any vintage boxes um, in in the early days. I remember I had a, yeah, obviously I had an X-wing a bit later on, but I can remember a cupboard, a bit like what you talked about actually. So on on a chest of drawers or a cupboard or clothing hanging cupboard thing, um, there was one of these kind of uh, bucket kind of cupboards where, like you say, you you pull it open and it and then it kind of rests. So you pull it out and then it clicks and then it stay open. And a big, it was a big one on the top of a cupboard, and I remember and I get quite a lot in there, so it became kind of a bit of a display stroke play unit as well. Anything you get your hands on, basically. We're very practical people, just you know jars, boxes. But I did have, I did have Rich a box, which when I'd sold all my Star Wars figures to a friend of mine, and I can still see that, I can still see that moment. Selling all these figures and Star Wars items to a friend of mine to get money to buy, I think it was probably a computer or something. This friend of mine was trying to offer me Star Trek figures. I was like, ooh, Star Trek figures, they look cool. And my brother pleading with me, do not take Star Trek figures in exchange. But uh, when I sold them all, they end up in this white box for about 25 years. And I still have that white box. I still have it today. It's in the shed with um, things in it. Um, but that 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 white box that was the the last thing that my uh, my dad had sent to him. I don't know what it was, but it was a white mailer box. So uh, the only kind of remnant of uh, of the of him and, and our old address. Uh, but yeah, they they sat in there for a long long time. Obviously, when I started recollecting again, um, I couldn't believe actually how many I still had. I had about thirty, I think. I think I had about thirty figures with weapons. I think pretty much all of them had. They still have their original weapons, which are quite chuffed at. Yeah, nice. I'm surprised I had any weapons left, to be honest with you. Three or four, at best. Yeah, I can remember. I remember the the sheer joy of realising I had. I pretty much must have had an accessory kit or two because I just couldn't work out. I, I had like that belt with the grappling hook on it, and when I came back into collecting it, wasn't doing any research. I thought, what the hell was that from? And I was trying to work out. Did Yoda come with a backpack? I just couldn't remember any of that. So I'm thinking he must have because I've got like a couple of them. So he must have had a, a Yoda. I mean, my brother had a Yoda. I couldn't remember. And that accessory pack, when I, when I found out that that was a thing, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. The only thing I lost was Leia's blaster. And that's what got me back into collecting, so that was probably a good thing. And a little tip for anybody walking around toy shows or charity shops, just give those vehicles a little shake. Do you have anything rattling around inside there? Because I'm aware of one or two people have had some really lucky finds. <laughs> there must be loads, Richard, that people don't realise. Absolutely. 
coming on to Andy Preston, I've got a feeling you were quite methodical with yours. In fact, actually, do you know those people who arrange food like A, alphabetly spaghetti, and then B, baked beans, and then C, whatever, carrots. I've got a feeling you did that with your Star Wars figures. Well, you're not too far off, Rich. Um, I, I did look after them. Uh, now, in my bedroom at home when I was uh, when I was small, I had a I think they're called divan bed uh, where the mattress sits on like a box frame and you got two pull out drawers. Um, so the whole bottom piece of the bed is for storage. And that's where my figures and my collection were kept. And because I had the space there, um, I keep all the boxes. So. I still have my original Falcon box and Snowspeeder box and X-Wing box and so on. So I was really lucky that I had enough storage space and uh, that I, you know, was, I suppose, uh, particular enough as a kid to think and uh, and put these things away. Uh, action Isn't figures. Andy, Andy yes. you were not a kid when you were collecting Star Wars figures. You were 20 at this stage, weren't you? <laughs> no, eight, eight or ten. Um, the figures were kept in a cardboard box. Now, this was quite a well-made, quite a robust cardboard box. It was, uh, it was red, and it had a lid, so you could uh, put your figures away. And that lived under the bed as well in one of these drawers. Uh, I have got a photograph of it somewhere, so I'll have to find that out and. Uh, and, and uh, post that ready for the uh, the um, YouTube release of the podcast. When I was uh, in bed at night, going off to sleep, I'd open this drawer a little bit, and I'd reach down into my box of figures, and I would try to guess which figure it was simply by feeling it. And uh, I I was pretty good at that. I always thought if there was a game show that you could go on and you know you, you choose your specialist subject, that would be mine. Next uh, con, we're all that, then uh, we're going to be doing that with you. Yeah, I'm up, I'm up for that. Definitely up for that. Uh, the weapons. Now, the weapons. Um, when I first started buying these things, first action figure I got was Darth Vader, and obviously his lightsaber is inside his arm, so that was all right. But the second one was a Stormtrooper, as we all do. moment that I got my Stormtrooper and took him off the card, of course, lost the blaster. Turned the whole house upside down looking for this damn thing, and eventually it turned up. I don't know whether it was behind the sofa or down the back of a cushion or something, but anyway, found this blaster, and my mum said, right, well, to stop you losing it again, what we're going to do is we're going to tie a bit of thread around the blaster and a bit of thread around the wrist of the figure, and then you'll always be able to match it up. So I thought, well, fair enough, mum knows what she's on about. And for the next few figures I had with blasters, we did exactly the same until they all started getting ridiculously tangled together in my collection box. And I uh, thought, no, this, uh, this is daft, not going to be doing that. So then they went into a plastic tub, um, like a plastic bottle, cylindrical bottle, um, a white bottle with a blue lid. And that is still in my collection today. I've got various spare bits and pieces in there. Uh, and that also lived under the bed with the figures of the vehicles. So uh, that's pretty much it. When I got a bit older, and uh, I, I guess that bed must have gone and, um, you know, moved on, uh, everything went up in the loft. And again, very fortunately, it was all still there when I got back into collecting in the 90s. And I was able to go and retrieve all this and start collecting again, getting the bits that I'd missed. Happy, Rich, that I was a bit of an anal collector as a kid, or a, a <laughs> I, uh, I'd, I'd save and I'd look after these things. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Annie Spoons, I'm, I'm thinking you're a toy box kind of guy. It's one of these things, Richard, I don't really have much memory. So like, like Pete, we had ice cream tubs full of, uh, full of toys. My mum used to make little labels for the tubs. In fact, I've still, still got one, had my old Britain soldiers in it. And that, that, for some reason that, that survived some of the nights and things like that. So I got that tub. So I can't remember what the, what the make is. Um, upstairs somewhere no lid on it was a bit of a shame but i you know that sort of memory i'm going to play going to play with my star wars figures now or play with any other toy play with that where did i go to get them I, I just don't know so when i was when we lived in london I used to share a room with my brother had bunk beds i'm sure they're probably just kept under the the bed or something like that and then when we moved away i had my own room cupboards in there with sliding drawers probably in there you know i had my uh Darth Vader Tie Fighter, which we'll come to later. I don't. I've got no memory of going to sort of a set place and getting that out. We certainly didn't have toy chests, so I think they were just on shelves in wardrobes or the bottom of cupboards. But the the Lego or the Star Wars, they were kept in individual tubs. So I've got I've got, got that memory. Um, and and they all went. You know, I, I sold pretty much everything I could. Uh, aged about 12, buying, buying bits from a BMX, which probably didn't get used again six months later. And the only ones that survived, as I've talked about on the show, are kind of when mum and dad doing gardening years later and a, a couple of the figures getting dug up in the garden. I did, I did keep the guns with them. So they must have, I think they were just loose in the bottom of the box. So I didn't, until, until my mate sold me his collection, I didn't have a huge amount of figures. So I think I was quite careful with the guns. I don't, I don't remember that being a big issue, not having them. Tips of lightsabers broke off. My Darth Vader never had the end, end on his lightsaber. But I think, I think I was pretty good with the guns. And probably if we were out playing in the street, didn't take them with me. But yeah, they, they all got sold off. And there are very few toys kept from that, that era, which is probably why I'm here today. It's uh, I'm really sad to hear, Annie, that you actually might not be here today if it wasn't for that. I'm glad it was such a life-changing moment for you. Yeah, well, I do wonder if I'd um, if I'd kept all those toys and rediscovered them years later, would the nostalgia have, or or maybe always known they were there? Would I have had that nostalgia? You know, I, I think about my my collecting journey. Again, I've talked about it loads of times on the show. Going around those flea markets of Bradford buying up the old figures, 50p a pound each, and seeing that Luke Skywalker in Stormtrooper outfit, thinking, what is this? You know, that if I'd kept all my original toys, I wouldn't have been rebuying them. I may I may have thought I'd want to add to them. Who, who knows? But there's a, yeah, there's a good chance would have started, maybe started down the Action Man road. I, I do remember that pivotal moment, York car sale, a, a helicopter pilot in one hand and a Imperial Troop transport in the other or something like that, and... And thinking about it and thinking, Action Man takes up a lot more room of my tiny rented room in this shared house. I can't buy too much of this. I'm going to stick with Star Wars. But yeah, it could have been all so different. Right. That's quite prophetic, that. Um, you know, who who knows, who knew even that uh, without Star Wars, Andy Spoons might not be with us today. Of collecting past, and I'm here to see Andrew Norton and show the listeners of the Vintage Rebellion podcast how you came to collect vintage Star Wars items. Oh, yes, I remember it well. We were celebrating Christmas in the East European Gulag. 
We had just spent 15 hours queuing for bread to dip into the potato soup for Christmas dinner. After we had eaten, we exchanged presents. I had bought my sister a nice rock and had spent several days painting a smiley face on it. Communism didn't allow us to smile, so I struggled to imagine what that looked like. My father's gift to me was a picture of someone's wife. He had found it on a missing person's wall. She was pretty. I fell in love with her. My mother's gift to me was she promised not to beat me if I peeled the potatoes the wrong way. Best of all was the present from Uncle Oleg. He lived with us from time to time, and for some reason when he wasn't pointing a gun at my father, he showed me kindness. His gift to me was a piece of chewed up metal from an exploded tank. It looked like a spaceship from the 12 minutes of TV we were allowed to see amongst the speeches. I would dream of getting into the spaceship and flying away, far away from our gulag and settling in a better place. Somewhere near Leeds, maybe. When we were freed, I never forgot that ship. And that's why I like Diecast. Thank you, Uncle Oleg. May your kidney we stole from you to pay for our escape grow back, you son of a bitch. Okay, Mr. Norton, we'll leave it there. Ooh. Right, that's quite prophetic, that. Who knew even that uh, without Star Wars, Andy Spoons might not be with us today? <laughs> Newest acquisitions, and so, Andy, I think, you know, just in case you do feel a bit wobbly a bit unsure as to the meaning of life etc we better pull you back along now and go through your news acquisitions since we last recorded and on all of these as, as someone who collects for nostalgia i never owned any of this <laughs> so it's all uh, all totally new to me but fantastic so it's been a much busier month than last month still not massively busy Farthest From's got a lot to answer for. But the, the things that have arrived outside of Farthest From, uh, just this week, a very nice Return of the Jedi Palatoy Han Hoth, but with a clipper sticker, the swirly clipper sticker right in the middle. And uh, uh, Chris Caswell sold that to me. He'd, he'd never seen another one. I'd never seen another one. Chat to Nick Dykes at Farthest From. He says he sees that swirly sticker on a on a few boxed ships. There's one on the collector's archive on a tri-logo. But yeah, really, really rare. Um, it's just a sticker on a car. But yeah, something for me, that, that was amazing. So that arrived this week. Um, after our discussions of a couple of shows ago on the Death Star racing set, I saw a lovely one on eBay and I just couldn't resist. Uh, I bought it to set up and play with, but it's pretty much unused and I, I can't be the one to do that. So I'm, I'm now going to have to find a used one to set up and play with. But, uh, yeah, it's absolutely lovely set, enormous. Don't quite know where it's going to go, but that's really good. And, uh, and Bob Breakin's Palatoy book arrived this week as well. And then we're going to be talking about that, that later, but that's, uh, yeah, that's a, so it's been a good week. Farthest from which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, most of these, I think all of these actually came from the room sales. And I, let's say I'd had uh, one or two beers by that point and was probably feeling a little bit more affluent than uh, than I might have been if it was in the cold light of day. Um, I bought a giant Darth Vader head <laughs> of Dan from the, uh, the, uh, the Generation Skywalker podcast. He was there with his wife. And I, I, I think I had seen it. I don't know when he bought it. It's uh, it's potentially a mould from a Ben Cooper mask. And Andy P's got one as well. It is enormous. It's got to be a good 
metre and a half, maybe a bit less by a metre and a half. Don't know what I'm going to do with it, but Dan had it for sale there. And he, he had a price on it. And I, I said, ah, not now. And his wife said, you're not taking it home again. <laughs> so they basically took my best offer just to, so Dan was in the, in the good books. Uh, so that's quite special. Um, I also bought off Dan a Spectrum Return of the Jedi game, which I don't, I never had, uh, as a, as a kid. I think I might have stopped playing with Spectrum by the time that it came out. Uh, a replica Blue Harvest uh, baseball cap, which I, I won in the, uh, the charity auction. And uh, and I'd had my eye on this at Echo, so it was next to uh, Martin, was on the next table to us at Echo, and so I had a few things I really liked. This uh, shop display, to car- oh, sorry, Tops shop display from Japan, uh, with six sets of Tops collecting cards in each uh, in it, and sort of five in each pack in the pockets. It's really nice. And as I was driving away from Echo, I was thinking, ah, oh, I wish I bought that. I hope I see Martin again soon. And there he was at the room sales with his tops displays. So I thought, right, Martin, I'm having that. And uh, so that's come home with me as well. And as ever, a little bit of acrylic uh, off uh, off Christian from uh, GW Acrylic to, to put these things in. So, yeah, a, ni- a nice month for me. Yeah, very, very nice month. Some lovely items there. And who who can possibly come away from Father's Throne without a bit of acrylic, honestly? Yeah. <laughs> Right, nothing for me this month at all. I haven't picked anything up. My comic book supplier have begged to give us a little bit of a break. He's going to post them after Christmas. So, Jason, let's come up to you now for your huge list, I'm sure, that you've got this month. Not that huge, but I do have Doctor Who Weekly, numbers 25 and 26, with Tom Baker on the cover. But inside they have the Palatoy Boba Fett advert, and I didn't know they'd appeared in Doctor Who Weekly, so I've got two issues of that, which are very nice. I finished the run. I got the Empire Strikes Back Space Trunk Metal Tin by Metal Box Limited that I needed to finish the set. Kind of like buses. I'd been waiting a while for one to come up, but then two came up pretty much within the same week. So I've got one of those, and I finished the run, so I'm very happy about that. Still working on my Spectrum Star Wars game, so I've got uh, the Star Wars Trilogy by Domark. So that's basically all three of the individual um, Star Wars Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi games, all in one big box. So I've got that. And then at Farthest From, uh didn't really pick up very much. I picked up some HCF, an HCF pencil set. Um, I've got two sets of pencils now. Still got a lot to go to fill that box uh, that I've got. And I got um, Droids and Paplu Return of the Jedi Erasers, which leaves me two Paplus short of a full box now. So I'm still looking for those. If, anybody's got a, if, you've, got an, if you've got a Return of the Jedi Paplu HCF Eraser, I'm your man. Jason, I've always said you were a couple of Paplus short of a full box. Well, indeed. And then um, I have a, I have a shelf for Star Wars beer now, and I've added a Rebellion Red beer and beer mats to that. So where, when we were at Father's Front, they had some uh, very nice Star Wars-themed beers there, and one of them was bottled. So I've got that in the beer mat. So I'm adding that to my collection of Star Wars beers. Very nice about that. And then um, I've got the Echo 2024 calendar. Now, these were on sale at the last Echo Live, but um, they've been uh, touted all over uh, Facebook recently. Cause they've, got, they've got quite a lot left over. So, you know, do a solid for the Echo, the Echo admin, guys, and go and buy one of their 2024 calendars. 
They're very nice, and there's even a picture uh, by our very own Andy Preston in there on one of the months, I seem to think. And that's everything I've got this month. Nice, Jason. Nice items again. Let's head over to Andy Preston and see you pulled him into the conversation. Cheers, Rich. Usual eclectic mix from me. So, first of all, some press photos. These are publicity photos that would have been issued to newspapers uh, to use to promote the movie. So, the first one is the droids R2-D2 and C-3PO. There are some markings on the back about uh, the uh, page number and what number of photograph it is. Uh, I've been trying to work out what uh, magazine that might have been in or, or what newspaper but uh, so far no joy next are three that came together and these are pictures of darth vader um, you've got a picture of dave prowse next to darth vader in one of them next one you've got darth vader in that classic pose sort of standing there looking up hands on his hips looking very grand and the third one is a very strange vader indeed um, he appears to be holding a uh, it looks like a mauser revolver he's got a dodgy helmet he's got an even dodgier chest box uh, very odd looking suit and there's actually half of a newspaper cutting attached to this one unfortunately it's cut down the middle so you've got the right hand side of the article the left hand side is missing but there's enough on there that i've been able to work out that this appeared in the rotherham evening evening news i think it was this was regarding a personal appearance by darth vader at the saver center in the pentagon shopping center in rotherham not sure of the date i guess it might have been early on but uh, you've got three photos there that were used in that particular article so that's a, a nice little thing Next, moving on to the other end of the timeline, episode eight, a crew shirt. This is a VFX shirt for the special effects department, kids size, uh, but it's a nice shirt. It's got the Space Bear logo. Uh, it's got a picture of an X-Wing on the back and names of all the guys in this particular VFX department. Uh, I've also got a Scanlite promotional card. I think it's a promotional card. Now, Scanlite was the British company that did posters for The Empire Strikes Back. And this is a card. It's about 20 centimetres long by 10 centimetres tall. It says three posters. You've got a poster of C-3PO, uh, another one of Yoda, another one of R2-D2. So those, those three are pictured on this card. And then you've got the Star Wars logo, the Scanlite logo, and the address for Scanlite. Not entirely sure what this was, whether it was a promotional piece that was in shops or whether it was a salesman thing uh, or whether they were actually selling bundles of free posters together. Don't know. Uh, but it's, it's a nice little piece, something new to me. I've taken a leaf out of Jason's book and picked up some bootleg computer games. These are knockoffs. I think a couple of these Jason had last month. Uh, so there's a couple about the Death Star. There's a Death Star game. Nice picture on the front of what looks like a trench run with some TIE fighters. Next one is Death Star Interceptor and a bigger clamshell box uh, system three software with a, I mean, they've not even tried to disguise it, a picture of an X-Wing on the front. And then the third one is a game called Return of R2, with a funny sort of depiction of takeoff of R2-D2 on the front. So that's those three. And rounding up with some Palatoy goodness, so I also have a copy of Bob's Palatoy book. 
next I have a Palitoy plastic bag. So we've probably seen these before. This is the white plastic bag. It's got the Pelotoy logo and it says Pelotoy We Care. And then below that, you've got various different products that uh, Pelotoy put out. So you've got the Empire Strikes Back logo, Tente, Discovery Time, Play-Doh, Pal-Ictronics, Mainline Railways, Chad Valley, Chicaboo, Action Man and Strawberry Shortcake. Now, a lot of people have said these bags were used in the Palatoy store, but uh, our friend Simon McCohen, uh, he posted on the same thread where this was on sale. This was being sold by Jamie Woolard. And Simon says he'd been speaking to a chap who worked regularly in the factory shop in the early 80s. He was adamant these were not given out at the factory shops. Uh, he said that they almost always used bin bags, and he thought these bags would have been given away at trade shows, toy fairs, I guess, as goodie bags. So that's that. Nice Palatoy edition. And then the last item, and this is quite possibly my highlight of the year, coming right at the end. This is a cardboard Darth Vader store display header from Palatoy. This was used on the top of display racks for the action figures, and I've seen it used in different configurations, uh, either on top of a static rack uh, or on top of a rotating rack. Uh, it's probably about 18 inches tall, 18 inches wide, black and white Darth Vader image. It's a lovely looking piece and very, very rare absolutely amazing pick that up off ebay for the price of a couple of loose complete jowers so a great way to end my collective year that's me done rich awesome i saw that display header that you've posted uh, a lot of people comment on that one nice find that and peter davis this looks a very very long list for you pete well it is a long list for me but there's yeah that's small and delicate the big thing was getting my finally got it after years of wanging on about it uh, the best in freeze chamber micro collection set. I mean, this is this is scratched a well, literally a 40 year itch because I remember seeing those. Oh, I've said it before millions of times. Saw it in our local shop, uh, the catalog with micro collection in it. And me and my brother sitting there going, "Oh my goodness, what what is that? It looks awesome." And of course, never came out over here, or but we didn't get like released in all the shops over here. So yeah, finally got one. So I've now got the whole the whole Bespin set. So all three of them. Um, it's taken a while. It's the most I've ever spent on a Star Wars item, Richard. Ever. 120 English pounds. That's the most I've ever spent on anything Star Wars related. Even more than my Barbie Ray figure. <laughs> so even more than that. So it's just done it. So yeah, it, it's it's brilliant. It's, it's a nice condition set. It's in the box. Um, obviously, it's an open box because I wouldn't buy it silk because it's ridiculous. It's got all the pieces, got all the stickers. I think about well, majority of stickers, I think. Um, and yeah, I just need to find a place to display that whole Bespin scene. But anyway, so that's fantastic. I've been looking for that for years. Uh, that has finished that off for me. I'm not interested in the rest of it. Um, I picked up for my Power of the Jedi freeze chamber. I've got one of those Bespin escape leers, which looks really cool. Um, standing next to a really tall Chewbacca um, I've got a bit of a random Slave Lear item um, they, it's hard to get hold of Slave Lear items that are interesting but this is a bit of a cheap bit of crap really um, it was the Garbage Pale Kids called Loogie Lear and it was it was a, an original painting done by the artist a guy called Louis Diaz 
and um, you can't find a print. I've been looking for years for one, but someone's got one on eBay for like two pounds. They're just a really bad sort of color photocopy of it. But I'm never going to find a print, the actual print, because said it was a commission he, this artist did for a, for a customer. So uh, I very much doubt I'm going to get it hold of that. But I've got uh, so so it never ca- actually came out as a card. It just came out as a, an image that kind of did the rounds. But that's all right. It's a bit of fun for my scrapbook. I picked up another set of. Uh, Walker's Lights Amidala crisp packets. I was missing a couple of the the inner packets. I've got the outer packets. Missing a couple of the inner packets. Now I've got a full set, so that's quite fun. A copy of Air to the Empire book two. Was it Last Command? I've uh, just finished reading the first one. Um, a very mint Shay Vizsla from Expanded Universe. Richard, you'll know that character. A sealed copy. Now, Richard, you remember this? Uh, Echo, you won the raffle prize and I went and got it. And uh, thankfully, you had already gifted me a, a massive Amidala poster. But I found that same Amidala poster for Empire Magazine sealed. So I thought I'd have that in a couple of quid. And then just a couple of sealed card packs with Attack of the Clones one with Padme Amidala on the front of it. And I've got it here in front of me. Love the sound of the packets. I've got the episode one eight wide vision trading card set again with Queen Amidala on the front of it. So a little bit of fun. Not, but I haven't spent much money apart from the micro collection of Best from Freeze Chamber. And uh, like I said, that finishes off my my fun with micro collection. Well, we've all had a great, great ending of the year. Some fantastic items here. Good mix as well. Very, very good mix. Nice to see some figures also getting picked up. Right, time to move over to our action vehicle face-off. I can't believe I've had listener feedback saying that this is a good segment of the show, but never mind, each to their own. At least we've got one good segment of the show, Rich, you know. Yeah, true. Actually, yeah, it's really what I has been commenting on. <laughs> right, so I just, just want to say, when I, when I refresh the numbers here... Out of the four vehicles that were had last week, three came out that had the gain. I mean, what what were the chances of that? But anyway, it was it was done and done again. It was all done fairly before Pete complains. So here we go. Andy Preston with the blue Imperial Tie Fighter. Andy Norton with Darth Vader's Tie Fighter. Jason with the Rebel Transport, and Pete with the Desert Skiff. And I can just imagine how you felt looking at that. Yeah. Oh, look, it's another mini rig. Thanks, Rich. <laughs> We're going to go top to bottom. We're going to start off with Andy Preston. We're going to try and get Andy to defend the Imperial TIE Fighter Blue and explain why that was the one that everybody wanted, even though we wanted the white one. There is no try, Rich. Do or do not. And I'm going to do... This is, of course, the second release of the ever-popular TIE Fighter, following on from the first version that, of course, was moulded in white. So why on earth did we need a second TIE Fighter, you ask? Well, Richard, I will tell you why. Contrary to popular belief, TIE Fighters are not white. If you look at all the -the behind-the-scenes pictures and the model shots, you'll see that they are painted blue-grey. So this is the correct screen-accurate colour. Also, the white tie and Vader's tie had got solid cockpit covers, while the blue ship was the first to have the slots cut into the cockpit, so you could look down inside and see the pilot, another feature that brings it closer to the filming models. 
Also, this tie was released in 1983, part of the Return of the Jedi line, although the box art features the asteroids. So it was not long after the TIE Fighter pilot action figure was released. One of the most popular of all figures, you have to agree. So you've got an accurate pilot figure ready to fly your accurate TIE Fighter. Now, the vehicle, of course, is a must-have. If you've got an X-Wing, you need a TIE to duel with. The TIE Fighter's just the perfect size to hold and go zooming round the house, pressing the button for what they describe as a, a whining laser sound. And with that red laser light firing... But of course, the bad guys can't win. So when your X-Wing finally gets that perfect shot, or when it careers into an asteroid, you can eject the wings of the TIE Fighter one by one, or both together, sending the poor craft spinning to its doom. And once your TIE Fighter has been shot with this version, you can apply the battle damage stickers to simulate those laser blasts. Now, unfortunately, once they are applied they do not come off again. And as a kid, I thought that was a real flaw in Kenner's design. Once they're on, then you can never have that pristine ship again. Although I have to say, they do give the toy a cool new look. Now, Rich, this is the hardest to find version of the TIE Fighter. The other versions were sold in greater numbers, while the blue ship was only on store shelves for about a year before it was replaced by the TIE Interceptor. Because of its short shelf life, there's only one type of box art. As I said, it shows the vehicle against the background of stars and asteroids. But it did come in Kenner US, Kenner Canada and European by logo boxes. And don't forget the micro collection version, a mini version of the same thing, also in blue with battle damage and featuring a pilot figure and a dramatic crash feature. And I think that's just about tied up the face-off victory for this month. What do you say, Rich? Well, Andy, you, you raised some really, really good points there. I, I am a little bit disappointed that you focused quite a lot on the uh, the sunroof, for want of a better word, seeing that it was making it accurate so that you can look down and see the pilots in. I don't think when the X-Wings were zipping over the top of the ties, we're having a peek down to see if there was a pilot in there or not. Uh, and secondly, you said if you had an X-Wing, then you had to have one of these. Well, I had an X-Wing that didn't have one of them, Andy. So you're, you're basically insulting my whole family by saying that. I'm, I'm really disappointed in you, Andy. Levels down there. And, uh, I'll get over it at some point, though. Andy Norton, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Another TIE Fighter. Yeah, Darth Vader's TIE Fighter. Now, this is the only big ship I got new as a kid. And did this get some play? Not only was it the ship for Star Wars Best Baddie, the wings, when they popped off, they doubled up as ships for my He-Man figure. Now, it's a classic. It's got the red laser and whirring motor sound, so iconic of all those 1970 Star Wars toys, but otherwise known as flashing laser light and space sound. Now, this was a 1979 release with the body copied from the TIE Fighter. And here in the UK, basically stopped selling the TIE Fighter after that. There was a big enough market for two of them. But this was moulded in grey. A brilliant ship. Now, Kenner only ever released this with a Star Wars logo on its box. But there's loads and loads of different boxes. But the box art showed the ship and a disembodied Darth Vader head, a little bit eerie. The box ends, well, there's stuff I've learned today. The box ends are really interesting. On one side, there's a kid with the best bowl cut I have ever seen in my life. Now, he's using the remote lever to raise seat, action figures not included. On the opposite side, it's got the same kid ejecting solar panels, but they had to bring a new kid in, again with a bowl cut, for the flashing laser light and space sound, 
it's a really specialist skill. You can't just have any kid. You need the special kid for that. There's a nice pick of Darth and Stormtroopers on the other side. The second issue, Darth Vader TIE Fighter, has to be one of the best out there ever. So 1980 special offer, and that included the cardboard backing card that recreated a spaceport. I always thought it could be the Death Star, it could be any spaceport. It's absolutely brilliant. It'd be one of the best single pieces of cardboard in all of Star Wars collecting. Third Kenner release was in 1984, the Collector series. So it had a big starburst on the packaging and a slight name change. Darth Vader TIE Fighter vehicle. I don't know why they felt the need to add vehicle to these things, but they did for 1984. Uh, also, now this is very interesting, Richard, the age category was downgraded from five and up on the early releases to four and up in 1984. Kids are growing up fast. They, they, could, they could handle this at four years old in 1984, not in 1979. Now, the Palatoy boxes were a straight copy of the Kenner box, but there were two issues. A later one with the Bounty Hunter offer Boba Fett song in Alliance. That's the one I've got. There's also the Meccano box with Le Chasseur Tai de Dark Vador, uh, the Kenner Canada, and that had French text and a collector series as well, but no translation for Darth. Now, if you wanted a non-Star Wars issue box, the only place you can go is Mexico and Lily Leddy with the El Retorno de Jedi from 1983. So much to collect for one ship. I'm not even going to go into the NPC model kits. We haven't got time, but I do want to talk about the die cast, though. That's been one of the most iconic ships in the whole Star Wars collecting uh, world because the unproduced small wing version. You know, we'd all heard of that in our early collecting life. Now, the die cast ship is modelled on the three and three-quarter inch toy, so it has the little uh, battery container on the back to pull out Darth, but the wing scale was matched as well. But when it was made, I thought the wings looked too small, so it's a last-minute redesign giving these bigger wings, uh, and the wings on the die-cast ship now are, are proportionally bigger than, the, uh, than the, the larger scale toy, but the small wing version is much sought after. So you also get the die-cast on Kenner, Kenner Canada, and Harbour, and the Harbour has the best name yet, the Catchier Tide de Lord Darth Fenner. It's a fantastic ship, Richard. Well, I'm glad you managed to cover all that in just under 10 minutes, Andy. <laughs> 90 seconds, as, as always. Never ever, seconds. never, ever overrun. Jason Smith with the Rebel Transport. Right, following on from the last show's success, I've been up in my collection room, and it's down here ready to go. I've, I've got it. It's on the desk. The tape measure is out. It's, it's a massive ship. It's... How long is that? 20, 25 inches, about 65 centimetres, and it's absolutely huge. You want somewhere to store your action figures? This is the ship for you. It's got a big handle on the top that you can twist round to kind of release the top of the ship. And the front comes off where the drivers are, and you can get, there's two drivers in the front. I've got, I've got Leia Hoth and uh, Ham Hoth there kind of uh, driving the ship. And if you get the top off, which I'm trying to do now. Don't want to break it in my excitement. Clips off the back. There's also the back cover comes off, which I've just taken off. And in there, you've got um, twin iron guns, and you've got I've got like a, a nice rebel uh, rebel hoff soldier in there firing the cannons. And then the whole top of it comes off, which I'm trying to do now without breaking it. Oh, there it goes. And then I've got an entire army of um, rebel, rebel commandos, rebel soldiers, commanders in there. And there's slots for them. I mean, I don't know how many, how many action figures you can fit. I'm going to count them off. You've got, you've got like the guy at the back, two at the front, that's three. The room for four, five, six, seven. 
You can move about 40 or 50 figures in this thing. It's an absolute monster. And uh, as to why it wasn't more popular, I just don't know, because it's just like, it's a great, it's a great way of storing all your action figures. Box-wise, um, came out first in Kenner, and uh, it was Empire Strikes Back logo. Uh, came in, uh, they had a yellow background on the box, and then they had a blue background on the box. There were two different boxes to get there. Power Toy, it came a bit later. It was Return of the Jedi with the blue background and a little Power Toy logo on it. The only one I found is there's also another one for La Guard de Toy, the, the kind of French release of it, again, which is Return of the Jedi and with the blue background. But, I mean, this thing is just absolutely brilliant. It's like you can, you can have this in the bath with you and just, like, have it float in there with your entire rebel army. Just sat there. It's brilliant. Vote for it, Rich. Jason, very, very passionate. Lots of passion in there, which I like. But I was a bit disappointed when you said it has space for 40 or 50 action figures. You should know down to the exact number. 40 or 50, that's quite a big number, Jason. How many is it, Rich? Well, I don't know, because I wasn't given that one as we... Task. Oh, I was counting. There was little, um, there was little holes everywhere. I mean, I, I can, I can, I can get back to you later in the show if you want an exact number. I have. But I reckon I could cram about a hundred figures on this and get the lid on. That's that. The exact number, Jason. I want to know now because I'm going to start counting now. Well, am I allowed to sit somebody on Leah's lap? I mean, that would be another figure right there. And Pete, it's all yours for the taking. <laughs> That, that's for the pressure on now, Richard. So uh, you gave me the Desert Cells skiff, which is something where I've got to admit, Richard, I'm going to have to admit this. When I was a kid, I thought it was the biggest load of rubbish I'd ever seen. Because obviously, you know, at that age, we were hoping for like a, you know, a Jabba Cells skiff or something along those lines. And it was before I'd ever seen the actual desert, you know, the other skiff. So when I saw this, I thought, oh, my God, that's awful. I never had one. It's, I had a few mini rigs. This wasn't one of them. But obviously, later in life, you look at it and go, oh, my goodness, it's absolutely incredible. It's got play features galore. And unlike some of the other ones, like Andy Spoons, I'm going to talk about the actual item itself rather than wanging on about something else. So, right, mini rig boxes always look great with that big flap. Love those boxes, I have to say. Would love a collection of boxes one day, maybe. But they are fantastic. So big sales gift. And who's on the front? It's Bubba Fett. So it's Bubba Fett sales gift with his extra little piece of keeping his bonds out of the sun we've got a very before it's time um little sun visor on there which i was when i see it in you know displays and places to buy i absolutely think that's one of the best things in the toy range that canopy that comes over the figure it just looks brilliant and it, you know it's looking after clartoos and stuff you know making sure their skin doesn't get too scaly so we all know it's a scaled down version of jabba's luxury sail barge um, it allows just the one figure, and it features a rotating driver's cockpit. Who else has got a rotating driver's cockpit? Nobody. That's what everyone wants, a rotating driver's cockpit. Two steering fins, an adjustable sail, and a retractable small gangplank. Now, I think if I'd noticed that as a kid, I would have probably wanted it, because I used to love that whole gangplank, uh, you know, walking, the, walking it into the 
Sarlacc. I think that was absolutely fantastic. I mean, I mean, who can't beat that? So again, I'm on the lookout for one of these now, and I've got one watching on eBay because I think I'm going to buy it pretty straight afterwards. Um, so ro- rotating cockpit not only rotates, but it also makes a clickety clackety sound as you rotate it. So it's uh, and you've got a little knob, you've got a little knob to turn it. But better, better still, if you rotate the cockpit to the left, the twin steering fins move to the right. Turn the cockpit right and the fins move left. In addition, the two laser cams on either side of the cockpit can rotate 360 degrees. So that is, it's all, it's all singing and all dancing. So Boba Fett's got that and you're flying around your homemade skiff or your display or whatever. This thing is moving, it's rotating, it's making sounds. And of course, we also had stickers, which you put into, in, into the rotating cockpit. And then you had those little kind of gun things. Goodness knows what they are, but they look like wonderful little guns. And of course, to finish off, Richard, these have been made <coughs> canon by featuring in the droid series. Did you know that, Richard? They were in the droid series. They didn't have the canopy, but they did appear in the episode. Uh, I can't remember what the episode was. I completely forgot what it was. But it was referred to as the Floater 935. So uh, that should be on the box of any, any re-release ones. But what a fantastic toy. And I'm going to go and buy one now. Well, I didn't expect what I got tonight, I've got to say. I thought there was two people battling out for first place, two people battling out for bottom place. Um, so I've been pleasantly surprised. All of you have had your merits and all of you have had your moments where I've thought, oh, come on, guys, raise it a bit. But I think I really, really like the idea of Pete mentioning that Boba Fett who wears a helmet, was under the sun. Yeah. I mean, what on earth is he protecting there? He's out wow. Pushing down of other <laughs> members of the podcast's efforts. I think that's very bad form. I know. I just thought, you know, talking about the actual item would be a good thing. What was I talking about then, Pete? Boxes and stuff. The item on? Yeah, boxes. We don't want boxes. We want the item. I want you to be playing with it in front of you like Jason was. Jason, very bad Jason form, Pete. Pete. Very bad form, scoring points. <laughs> By belittling other members of the team. Not belittling, just celebrating Jason's wonderful uh, thought process of playing with the item in front of him. Well, I am going to go with Pete this month. I think Pete was extremely passionate, knowledgeable, and I could have listened to that one for another five minutes, whereas Andy Spoons could have listened to yours for about ten minutes less. That five I slipped him earlier did the trick. Congratulations, Pete. Uh, I'm just just out here that my Rebel Transport could totally flatten your desert skiff in a fight. Do you know uh, what, Jason? I think that's true as well, yeah. Do you know what, Jason? Your passion for that this this month, I'm actually going to buy one this year or next year. I'm going to buy one. I don't have one, never had one, never be interested. I was so impressed with that, I'm going to get one. Ooh. Yes, you've forced me to, Jason. Just a loose one, but I'm going to do it. I'm finally going to do it. And then you can count the pegs. And then I can count the pegs because yeah. Jason won't. Pegs to count live on a podcast, that's for sure. I'll tell you what, Jason, what was funny when I was researching this, I found a thread of yours on Star Wars Form UK, right? It's oh, yeah. really funny. Uh, it's from 2012, and it's you with loads of mini-rig boxes. Yeah, I've got all those. They're, they're hundreds all... of pictures of you with... I don't know whether it's the same picture, or you went mad, or it's slight variations, but it seems to be going forever. It's yeah, I've got all the mini-rigs boxed apart. I mean, I don't have the Kenner ones, but I've got all the... All the Palatoy, all the the Buy Logo ones, and Try Logo bar the MTV Seven, which is the one that is just insanely hard to get. I've got all the rest. 
pitches of mini rigs, Jason. Are they all different with different mini rigs on? They're all different boxes, yeah. Oh my crikey. You like must have all half the mini rigs released, like literally in those pictures. That's yeah, crazy. the Kenner ones, I think I'm missing one. So, That's crazy. Yeah. So you want to check this thread out? Right, then let's head over to the quiz. And it's this month it's with Andy Preston. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> it, says, it says quiz, not this month. <laughs> yeah, no quiz this month. I'm sure many people will be delighted about yeah, that. Let's, let's jump on to something that's far more exciting, the NA shout-outs. Now... Putting this one in the show notes before Jason was going to, because I had a feeling that he'd be looking at this one as well. And this was posted by Gary Smith. Gary Smith, wonderful, wonderful guy. Palatoy collector who's got arguably the best Palatoy collection in the world, I would say. He must, must be. Don't think there's any arguing about it, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. And Gary posted uh, four wonderful, wonderful Palatoy mint on cards. Now, Gary is is correct in what he said there. It's even rarer that he manages to get more than one mint on card at a time. And the last time he did this was in 2010 when he got three. So he cannot describe how grateful he is to have picked up four pieces from another collector who also has an outstanding collection. In that collection, what he's posted there is a Palatoy 41B R5D4. And he's been aware of this and it's took him 19 years to manage to negotiate a release of that. I mean, that is some, <laughs> you know, dedication. So only one's confirmed, but there are rumours of another two. Um, and I think, I think I got my card back from Gary Smith. I, I, I could be wrong on that. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, it's been known to exist. And uh, Jason, I hope you've updated your Palatoy Matrix with this. But the, it's the 40... It's always been in the Matrix. Is it always been in the Matrix? Yeah. So... The Palatoy 41B, incredibly difficult one to get, and what he's managed to pick up is a Power Droid, a Death Star Droid, and he said there that he actually used to own these a long time ago, but he moved them on as they didn't fit with his focus. That just seems insane for what Gary's focus is, is now, which is pretty much Palatoy of everything. So 19 years, he's managed to get them back, a proper old school style deal motivated in the main by two collectors wanting to help each other out. Absolutely brilliant, that Gary. So we've got a uh, 41 back Power Droid, the 41 back Death Star Droid, a 41 back RVD4, and a 45A21B. Just for those who are unsure about the 41Bs, 41 backs, Jason, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the difference between these is that is this the first one when the logo is noticeably smaller on the card fronts? Yeah, I mean, the, lo- the logo is um, smaller than it is on the the 30B, it's got like text in, in black underneath the logo. And obviously on the back, there's 41 figures, but there's like a couple of different variations. The back, the, the, the kind of below the figures, there's like various um, vehicles showing the diff, and the 41A and the 41B are different. And there's a slight sub variation 41C where some of the text is missing. But that's essentially it. Absolutely amazing, amazing pickup, Gary. All right, Jason. So I'm sure I stole your thunder there by taking that off you. It was such a, an amazing item and a wonderful pickup. And I don't know if it's me, Jason, but I get annoyed when I look at the two one Bs with the 
mouthpiece that's fallen out the mouth. That seems to be very, uh, yeah, very common. You know, it's, just, it's just a quirk of the figure, you know. He's, um, you know, sometimes he's um, singing with his mouthpiece in, sometimes he's got it out in his hand, you know. He's kind of like a, he's a, he's a club line singer in his spare time, so he has to take his mic out of the mouth sometimes, you know. <laughs> but awesome pickups, Gary. You know, we're just we're not we're not going to see too many more of them. Right, Jason, coming over to you next. Right, yeah. Obviously, uh, you you did steal my thunder there. That was an obvious choice for uh, Palatoy Collector to highlight. Uh, so I've gone for a post a couple of days ago by Daniel Freddy Segova on the Beyond the Toys Facebook group, and he says, "Not for sale, just sharing Star Wars original trading cards." Danny Box, 1978 Argentina. The box was supposed to be thrown away. Very few survived, and mainly, maybe only one with a new packages inside. So it's a sticker box with um, stickers that go more of the Argentinian uh, collectors album, collectors sticker sticker albums, and it's a box that's intact with all the stickers inside, and that looks really nice indeed. And uh, a lot of people posting on that thread saying they'd never seen one of these before. So. Uh, Nice one, Daniel. Hmm. I don't know if I'm the one seeing whom in that one, but Daniel Freddy Segovia has been involved in some pretty shady business. Has he? So, oh, yes, he has. Got outed, outed by the Calvcast probably two years ago now. Really? And then went quiet for a very, very long time. So oh, he's... oh, this well, this particular item doesn't look particularly fake to me. It's all mm-hmm. rips in the right places. Right and spoons. Well, no, uh, no question over Clark Pie and Chips on Star Wars Volume UK's, uh, what's the, honesty, integrity. He's a lovely guy, Scott, and it's nice uh, to see him pick something up. So he says he's not actually bought anything vintage Star Wars for two years. Uh, so this is a, a great couple of items to add, add to his collection. He's picked up two poopy boxes. Uh, now, these used to be... They're not a lot common, but they'll always be for sale, one character or another. You see them regularly. You don't really see them very often anymore, so I thought it would be quite quite nice to feature them. So he's got the Hoth Rebel Soldier, um, a lovely bagged example there in the, the Japanese Popey box, and uh, nice design on those, and you get the photo of the figure in the middle of the box face. And he's got a Luke's Luke Bespin and the Luke Bespin box as well, uh, again the same same design, but with a picture of Luke in the middle. It's it's really nice. Well, and Scott Scott says, well, it's coming up to nearly two years since I bought anything, but I'm very happy to add a couple of popies to the collection today. Congratulations, Scott! Fantastic pickups. Yeah, I do like those popy boxes. Really, really nice. I've I've also got a correction. Last uh, month, I was uh, well, I gave a shout out to Kaza again on Star Wars Forum UK, his Death Star canopy, and I called him Chris at least twice. I don't know why I got his name wrong, especially as he shares it with me. I'm very sorry, Andy. So uh, not Chris, that's Andy. I think you were thinking of Caswell Bot for some. I think it was. I've been buying off Caswell Bot recently, so I think that was exactly what I was thinking. But um, yeah, sorry, Andy. Andy Preston, not something that I would typically associate with you. This one. Now I've gone for something a little bit different this time, and uh, this is a new acquisition by quite a few people, actually. So this is something spotted on Echo Base Vintage Group, and this is from a guy called Cole Art, and his sales post is saying, A4 prints available. This is prints of his own artwork, and I think these are fantastic. He says, limited amounts of these, but I will do my best to have them out before Christmas. Uh, Ewok prints. 
Cartoon Jabber's Palace, Toy Jabber's Palace, Bounty Hunters and Empire. Each print, £10 posted UK, three for £25, all five for £40, and a portion of any sales given to Echo Charity. So he's got five prints available. Um, he's got a print of the Bounty Hunters, and these are the action figures, uh, true to life art representation of those uh, bounty hunters all stood in a line there uh, really nice artwork uh, he's got a similar picture again true to life toy picture of Jabba's palace and uh, all the aliens and creatures you've got Luke Jedi in there uh, you've got Boba Fett everybody that you'd expect all gathered around the throne with Jabba himself he's then got a cutesy cuddly cartoony version of the same scene so you've got a lot of the same characters slightly different positions and poses done in a very cartoon style they're all sort of short and fat and cuddly uh, and I, I do quite like that one like his cartoon style another one with the Ewoks this is all the vintage Ewoks so you've got all eight in the lineup and again in that sort of cutesy cartoony style and the fifth one, and this is definitely my favourite, this is his Empire uh, print. And what you've got there is uh, a, lun a, a bunch of the action figures, again, in the cartoony, cutesy style. All of the Imperial figures behind them, you've got an Attat, you've got an ATST flying over the top. You've got a TIE Interceptor and, oh, look, a blue battle damage TIE Fighter. And these are wonderful prints. Uh, as I say, the Empire one's my favourite, but I'd, I'd like to have any of those on the wall, to be honest. Col Art also features in the Echo calendar, which Jason mentioned previously. And at the moment, Echo are doing a an offer. Anybody who buys a calendar will be entered into a free prize draw to win a poster signed by all of the guests from the last Echo Live event and... Cole Art has thrown in his original artwork that is featured in that calendar. Fantastic prize. So a shout out to that Echo calendar. Uh, as J Jason mentioned, I've got some of my toy photography in there, but every single one of the 12 months is a winner. If you are looking for a calendar next year or if you want to support the Echo charity, get on over to Echo Base, pick yourself up a calendar. And as I say, if you get it before that draw is made on Boxing Day, you will be entered into that uh, raffle. Uh, there we go. That's my pickup, Rich. Right. And over to Pete then to wrap up the introduction. Yeah, this is a bit of fun, this one. And it's something I'd actually like to do, the, to do the same thing, really. So this is Rob Stiley on SWFUK. And he said, scored a personal grail the other day. Straight away, I was a little bit like grails, don't like that word. Something I've been looking for for a very long time. But then I thought, OK, when I saw it, I thought, all right, fair enough, this is a grail. A card back or item with a price sticker for my childhood toy shop in Rayleigh, Essex. Peter Jones is part of the, oh, what's it called? The John Lewis uh, shops, I think. Um, I posted on the threads about it before. Finally got a tip off and managed to buy this 45 back Zuckers card. So chuffed. Big thanks to Dan Whiteley for the tip-off and Adam Booth for the card. And it is, it's just, it's, I mean, it's something I would love to have. I'd love to have a Toy Town price sticker. I don't think Jordan's, I can't remember if Jordan's ever had the name of the sticker on, oh yeah, the name of the shop on the sticker. If they did, I'd love to find one. But yeah, I do know someone who does have one, but I think he might have sold it to Jason. Ooh. Yeah. I like, I like card bags. 
yeah, yeah. Is this the same Peter Jones who was on Dragon? No, no, no. It's just no. This this is a shop that's been going for a long, long time. It's part it's part of the John Lewis network. But yeah, I'd love to find a Toy Town sticker. So I think I believe Jason, you have one, but you're not going to part with it because it was a Meccano card, I think. What sticker? Um, so a sticker, a price sticker, just a basic everyday price sticker with the name of the shop, your local shop. I think you might have a Toy Town one, I'm not sure. Toy Town. Toy Town, I think. I think. I think. Because a, a friend that's, of mine sold it to your, you. That's your local shop, yeah? That was my local shop, yeah, Toy Town. Toy Town. I'll have a look and see what I've got. If I can replace it with another card. No, know. I think it was quite a rare card because he sold it to you years ago. Okay. years ago yeah so someone from Leamington who saw it to you I thought ooh but I don't, it might not have a sticker on it but I would have found if anyone has found a Toy Town sticker um, who wants to part with it maybe or do a swap then I'd love to find one there must have been loads out there because they were flinging them out all over the place but yeah great little pick up I'm just looking to see if I can find the sticker I think it was a Meccano Lando Meccano Lando yeah Meccano if it wasn't on there then I don't know any of us but if you have then yeah, that'd be I'll, awesome. I'll have a look. I think you paid quite a lot of money for it, so yeah. there must be loads out there. Has anyone else got a, has got one of those a sticker with their local shop on it? Just out of interest. I'd love one. I haven't. I didn't really your... have a local shop. I mean, I've got ones. I even got one that I've been into. I I, I, I don't think so. Andrew Palmer was kind enough to sort me out. Um, now, he and I both grew up in the same part of the world, so uh, okay. Ex- Exeter was where um, we went to to buy our Star Wars, and he very kindly found a Rebel Commando card back with Exeter Pram and Toy Shop sticker. And, uh, yeah, that's that's wonderful. That brings back some great memories. Because uh, I think I, I remember saying that years ago, well, a couple of years ago, I found in, in a Return of Jedi novel one of my original card backs sellotape together Luke Skywalker farm, but we didn't have a price stick on it and it would have been from one of those two shops it wouldn't have been from anywhere else so it's like oh I didn't have a price stick on it or I took it off or it was taken off for Christmas because you know as parents did you know they don't want to show you how much they spent so they take stickers off <laughs> you might think they're cheap anyone out there has a child's toy shop sticker from High Wycombe oh. let me know we'll have to have a look we'll have to have a look at our car backs most toy shops are for childs, aren't they? Yes. <laughs> I think it was the Mr. Child's toy shop. I think it was like a little local one just on the outs- outskirts of uh, Wickham Town Centre. There was, I think there was a BT. Is it called BT's then, or was it Toy and Hobby first and then became BT's? That, that opened up a little bit later. I've heard yeah, of BT's. Think of the child snatcher on um, Chitty Bang Bang, hanging around Spoons' place. It's what, say again? <laughs> I'm just thinking the child snatcher and bit chitty chitty bang bang hanging hang around where you get toys. That was from. him, yeah, he used to run it. Like a big top hat and a net he had when you go in. A bit wise thing if you want to catch children, really, wasn't it? Not everyone came out. A bit of a scandal at the time. I was just saying my trilogy of uh, price stickers would be uh, Woolworths, uh, W.H. Smith and John Menzies. Can't beat having one of those. I am the ghost of collecting past, and I'm here to see Richard Hutchinson. Greetings, Mr. Ghost. I was just marking some homework. Feel, 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 feel.
It's me, the ghost of collecting past, to show the listeners of the Vintage Rebellion podcast how you started to collect Star Wars items. Away, ghost man, get in with it. Ooh. And here we see you in a small, humble barn in a no castle. Away, lad. That's a four-star palace when I was growing up, Lake. Look, we even had a window. And here your mother is handing you a Christmas present wrapped in the finest chip paper. I remember this day. It was my first Christmas present. A bar of used soap carved out to look just like Yoda. I think it was soap. My ma said it come from a gent's bathroom in tune. It smelled a bit familiar like, but but what a day. Ooh, and look, a second present. Was this a collection? Me Auntie Jean. She got me an empty tin of beer and had taken off the ring pull so I didn't cut myself and glared it to a piece of cardboard. Said it was a mint on card R5D4. I was really happy. And from that day, I never looked back. Now I can get back to my Martin please, Mr. Ghost. Oh, okay, okay, fine. The ghost of Star Wars collecting present. Think about your current collection now. Are you pleased with it? Is it complete? Is there bits and pieces that I still want to add to it? And what do you think of its displayed purposes? Now, I certainly mentioned on a number of shows that when my daughter moved out, um, I'd already converted the attic into being an extra room, and I was really inspired by Ron Salvatore's um, use of these IKEA bookcases, which the name escapes me, but they're like half-size ones. And the way he'd couple them so together. The Billy, Billy bookcases. Billy, Billy it was only the, it was the short ones, the ones that are about three, four foot high. Yeah, Billy bookcases. Billy bookcases, and the way that he'd knock the backs out and put two together and things, that was absolutely brilliant. So I always had it in my head, I'm going to do something like that, but it ended up never happening. Um, so, this thing that we collections in, um, so are you pleased with it? Are you pleased with how it's displayed? Or, if you had a blank canvas, what would you do differently? So, Andy's rules are going to come to you next, because I've seen your collection, obviously I've seen how you've got it displayed. Are you happy with it? Or would you prefer to start again? And if so, what would you do differently? That's a very good question. I, in short, I am happy with it. Uh, I would like more space, you know, and I appreciate that might sound greedy because I know that everyone doesn't have collection rooms, but because my collection room doubles up as, uh, as a, you know, office space. So if I'm working at home, I work from here. Got, got like a futon sofa beddy thing in. So if someone stays over, that comes out. It's, it's dual purpose. I'd love it. If this was just a room full of cabinets, I'd have everything out on display. You know, I, have to, I do have to rotate things a little bit. It's mostly die cast at the moment. The hand the hoths are actually in a die cast um, bin and header thing uh, on top of the on top of the cabinet. So I'd like everything out on on display. I'd also, you see, those collectors that have gone to real efforts. So they just basically strip the room back, nice flooring, nice design on the on the walls, or maybe a bit of a Star Wars feel. Could be could be a room in the Death Star or on a Star Destroyer. I really like the rooms where the people have done that. You don't want to detract from the toys. So if I yeah, if I could do it all again, I would strip everything out, decorate it nicely. 
and then just have it as a as a display room. But saying that, I am quite happy with what I've got as well. And um, Jason? Yeah, well, I've got um, I've got a detached house, and it's basically two levels with a loft room. And the loft room is is a converted room. So basically, the top third. So anything from the stairs up until the the loft room is the Star Wars collection there. And it's grown organically over time. So I used to have a few, you know, a couple of um, display cabinets on the wall outside the collection room and a couple of things displayed. I mean, all the walls are filled up now with Palatoy comic advert posters and various other posters. All the walls are filled up. And inside, it's kind of evolved over time. I had kind of like five Billy bookcases with various bits on them. And then I started getting um, more bookshelves. I used to have some ZX Sinclair Spectrum stuff in there that got pushed out. I used to have a TV and little blow-up sofa when I started. Um, it's all been pushed out. And, um, you know, I've got three Detolfs in there and... You know, I've I've kind of crammed in. I mean, I, you know, I had the last one I the last one I crammed in was a, a display I put in. I think it was at the start of the year, and you know, it was like I was measuring down to the inch to see if I could just squeeze enough space to get another massive bookcase in. So none of them, none of them particularly match, and it's it's grown organically, and, and you know, it's kind of really full. It's really difficult for me to kind of find space to put anything new in now because the whole thing is just crammed full. Um, would I, when I would say, oh, if I was starting again, would I kind of have take everything out, redecorate, have it all nicely done and have kind of like wall to ceiling kind of shelving that was all the same and then put it back in? I, I could do that and it would look, it would look the same as a lot of collection rooms that other people have done. But, you know, mine's grown over time and it's, it doesn't match up in places and it's got, you know, some of the cabinets in there are ones that I've had for 20, 25 years. It's, it's got my unique look and feel to it. And, you know, it would be, I think it would be a shame if I just got rid of that and, you know, painted it all white and made it look like the inside of a Death Star and then, you know, put everything back. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of not happy with the amount, you know, the fact that I've run out of space now and I have to be really imaginative to try and figure out new ways to, to kind of find space to put things. All the walls are covered in posters as well. So there's just like, it's just really kind of at the limits. You know, maybe I would get rid of something to make room for something else. But I mean, what, you know, given where I am at the moment, it's, it's, it's not spreading any further around the house. So I mean, the space I've got is the space I've got. Yeah, I'm kind of happy with it. So there you go. And Pete, have you expanded upon your one shelf that you used to have? Um, it's not really one shelf. It's, uh, it's kind of, um, I've got one. I've got a cabinet, which is absolutely rammed uh, with Amidala figures, Ray figures, or you know, absolutely everything. Oh, the little chachkis and little hoo-hahs that you you get from like Japan and stuff. That, abso- that is absolutely rammed to the hilt. A couple of the other shelves on there, which could be more rammed, and they're going to get rammed with Empire items and just random stuff. And then at the top of my cupboard, it kind of goes up and over the top of a cupboard. And uh, that is absolutely rammed with Ray items and other bits. And that goes into another cupboard, which is almost up to the ceiling now of I'm just stacking it high. I love the aesthetic of stacking it high and shoving it in. So where there's a hole, there's a goal. 
um, tonight and we'll go in there. And, uh, and that's what I kind of like. So no, I, I wouldn't redo it. If I had a monstrous, great big empty house full of stuff, yeah, maybe. But, uh, I like the fact I sort of live amongst it and kind of add to it. And one day it'll probably just collapse and kill me. But I kind of like the fact that it is, it is like that really, Richard. I'm, I'm quite happy with, with the way it is. Um, I don't really want to change it. I love, I love, you know, when you go to like an antique store or something and someone's just gone and just shove stuff in and you can go and have a bit of a rummage or a look. So when you go look at my cupboard, you go, what on earth? Where did that come from? What's that? I don't remember buying that. So, yeah, it gives me a new surprise every day, Richard. And Andy Preston, I've got a feeling we'll already know your answer. <laughs> Cheers, Rich. So, yeah, my, how is my current collection? My current collection is great. Very happy with it. Um, unfortunately, am I pleased with how it is displayed? No, I'm certainly not. Uh, I've got very little display space. I have got one IKEA Detolf cabinet, which I rotate from time to time when I get the time to do it, which isn't very often. Uh, I've still got the uh, swag that I brought back from Celebration in there at the moment, so that shows you how long it's been since I changed that round. Um, I'd love to have a collecting room. I'd love to have space to display. I, I don't think I'd ever get to display all my uh, collection. But, uh, again, just to have room to put some posters up, to have some more cabinets, some shelves. Uh, and I think probably what I would want to do is have some perhaps cabinets raised up on drawers. So in the drawers, I can keep a lot of stuff that's not necessarily on display uh, and then uh, put the display stuff in these cabinets. Uh, I've got lots of ideas, but it's just having a room come free uh, that uh, I can then have and uh, adapt to my own desires. So, uh, yeah, uh, pleased with the collection, pleased with what I've got, pleased with how it's growing but, uh, yeah, the display side is very sadly lacking, unfortunately. What are your top three acquisitions or memories of the year? Um, Jason, I'm going to come to you first. I think you're going to find this very difficult, which is going to be fun. Acquisitions, it was very nice. At the tail end of the last year, I got a uh, yellow base Palatoy droid factory, uh, which kind of, I had a kind of like, you know, relapse for collecting, um, I hadn't really collected anything for a number of months. And that kind of got me back in the swing of things. And I thought it would be really nice to finish that set off in terms of like the Star Wars playset. So I got the, the Cantina Palatoy playset and uh, Land of the Jawas. And I picked those up at the, the first Echo of the Year. So that was kind of like my, and I've got all three of those displayed on top of the, the three details that I've got. And they're all they're all yellow base now because I got a spare bed because I think I, I had the yellow base which is the rare one I didn't have the blue ones so I've got the I've got a spare blue base on the side now that looks really nice that's probably my kind of I think the most fun acquisition I've got and that kind of finishes off all the Star Wars playsets so I mean in terms of memories there's been quite a lot going to uh, May the North be with you in Toronto for their second show um, was such a cool few days and I think my funnest memory from that was the fact that they lost my case on the fly. Uh, I landed on Thursday, and it turned up um, about as the room sales were starting on Saturday evening. My my suitcase arrived, and it had all the stuff for the room sales in it. So I just wheeled it straight out the front of the hotel, straight into the room sales, opened my case, and and, and then was selling all of my uh, all my stuff at the room sales. So that was a that was a very fun memory. 
talking of room sales, being being at Celebration London this year and uh, being tasked with being uh, the the man with local knowledge and finding somewhere for the the room sales, and having it scuppered by a very very angry lady at the Crown Plaza after been going for about fifteen or twenty minutes. Andy Preston, then, so what are your three favourite pickups or your memories of the year? Yeah, so I'm going to start with memories, and I am going to go Celebration. Uh, it was fantastic doing the panels at Celebration with the Vintage Rebellion. We did one panel in the collecting track, which was obscure British collectibles, or eccentric British collectibles, wasn't it? Uh, a room full, really good to see so many people there, and of course so many people there that we know, and I thought the panel went off really well, it was very well received, and that was excellent. And then we also did a panel on the podcast stage, which was a mini Vintage Rebellion podcast episode, and again, a good turnout of people, uh, and that went down very well. So, first time that I've actually been participating in Celebration, as opposed to just there as a guest, and that was wonderful. That was really, really exciting for me. Uh, I was very nervous beforehand, but it went down very well. And uh, yeah, love to do that again sometime. In terms of acquisitions, well, I mentioned one uh, earlier on, and that was the Darth Vader saw display header from Palatoid. The other um, special acquisition this year, the other real highlight, was getting the original artwork for the Darth Vader activity book published in uh, Britain by... Uh, Armada, and that was something that I'd looked at and enjoyed reading and doing the activities as a kid. So to have the original hand-drawn artwork, that's something really special. Uh, first piece of published artwork that I've got. And uh, yeah, that about wraps it up for me. Uh, a good collecting year, a good year of events. Um, obviously Echo Live and Father Stroms and so on as well, but uh, those are my top ones. Well, I would say mine are probably all linked into Celebration. Um, so I would definitely agree that being part of the collecting track was absolutely amazing. The whole lead up to it, the whole, um, are we going to be part of it? Are we not? Are we getting kicked off the podcast stage? It was just, it was all part of the, the typical celebration, you know, legend of what it is. Um, so really, really enjoyed that. Um, also meeting up with everybody during celebration was wonderful. I think we had a great time going out, meeting new people. Uh, wonderful time. So any, any anybody who we met, you know, interacted with, it was all brilliant. So I'd say all three of my top moments are definitely really at celebration. Uh, Pete? Finish off a couple of collections is always a good thing. Uh, getting some random Amidala items, yeah, like the luggage um, and some of the just uh, utter, utter bunts, which is <laughs> but absolutely ridiculous, crisp packets and all those sort of things. Um, finishing the comics off was a big deal because I thought I'd kind of given up on getting those. So they just getting so, yeah, the last two getting so expensive. And then the issue 144, which doesn't have a number on it, is just daft. But no, managed to put those up pretty cheaply. It's just suddenly in, in like an afternoon, got all three of them. So I was really chuffed with that. The micro collection thing I got, I got this month is a big highlight because I've, I've been after that for a long, long time. That's something from childhood that I've been desiring. Um, in terms of events, yeah, Echo was, I mean, Echo was just getting better and better. So it was great fun. Uh, I love selling Andy and Andy's crap off for cheap prices. Or giving it away, whatever you want to call it. And it's just the interaction with fellow Star Wars fans and also being part of like a little local group here that's sort of slowly growing. We had our little Christmas party, six of us, six Lemington Spa, frenzied Star Wars vintage collectors. And that's been growing. That's getting, you know, it's gone from three members now to six members. 
I mean, you know, and it's just, you know, that, those sort of things are, uh, you know, are, are what the hobby is all about because all those people are all, all active in the hobby. And uh, it's just fun to meet up and have, you know, different conversations with people. Um, obviously, Celebration w- was a real highlight. Doing the panels was what it was all about. I really wanted to host a panel and do, do that. So that's, again, scratching the rich. And, uh, again, just meeting some fantastic people when you do the panels, after the panels, you bump into people and they have a conversation about what you talked about. And, yeah, you think, you know, if we've entertained someone for like 25 minutes, 30 minutes, then it was all worth it. Or if we've given somebody some information. But I think it was just it was just good how we only practice it once and it come together pretty well, really. Because, you know, we, 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 we did plan to, to practice it several times, but it just kind of flowed, didn't it? It was just because we were all familiar with each other. We managed to just, you know, take the mick out of each other, um, entertain the people in the audience. And we had a full house, which was fantastic. I mean, that collective power. So I, if I can get to Japan, I would like to do one in Japan as well. I'd love to do an Amadala one in Japan if I can get the chance to go there. But, uh, yeah, let's put the highlights, um, shows and collecting tat. And Andy Spoon's Norton about the sectional. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to echo what everyone else is saying, and particularly that, that live podcast at Celebration. That really was a highlight for me. I think that, that came across. In fact, actually, my brother-in-law is, is staying last night. He has watched that um, that podcast on YouTube, watched the whole hour. He, I said, did it make any sense to you, like not being a vintage toy collector? He's quite a bit younger than us. As well, and he said, "Yeah, it was a bit weird. You, you kept on taking the mick out of some missing character. That, that was obviously you, Richard. <laughs> so obviously, there's no idea who you were. But he did get a character. With... Richard's got a character. <laughs> I didn't realise. <laughs> He's a strange Rich, man. From... Rich is a parody. He always has been. Didn't <laughs> you know? He's not even real. He's just AI. It's just a, a made-up Geordie that we we use for comedy effect." Um, but yeah, that, it was, it was brilliant. You know, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, but you know, you, you've all talked about celebration. I've had a really good collecting year as well. Um, what have I picked up? The, I've, I've done some runs. I suppose actually that, the, the Han Hoths, that's, that's, um, you know, something I've been collecting for years and years and years, but like Pete with his, uh, his carbon chamber. I've been collecting Hanhoths for years and years, and there's some that I think I, you know, never ever see. So this year to finally pick up that Palatoy 30B, yes, cut, cut bubble, but absolutely love it. Um, but th- not that it's a, it's a highlight, but the same year, the 31B Canada Kenner carbacks turned up as well. So I've, I've picked up those. I've just never seen them before. Both have turned up this year and I've got this clipper this week. And there's, there's stuff out there. So anybody that's in it for the long game, you know, that's just uh, shows that just stick with it. You, you find this stuff. Um, I finished the, the run of diecast Y-Wings this year. I was actually looking through what I've, what I've purchased. And I bought three of them this year, which seems a bit excessive, actually, of the, of the six. But of those, the 7B with the one with the, the corrected text on the back, it's such a sort of niche niche item, lovely condition, and a nice little bit of the, the Palatoy, sorry, the, sorry, the die-cast story on the back of it. Um, and a cheeky little extra one, and it was, a, it was a good fun day anyway, when we were, when we were at Echo with our stand there and the, the, the chap opposite us with his... Is Takara battery powered R2 on the shelf. That's just such a fun item. Putting the, putting the batteries in there, having him run around on my floor. Um, it's just been, it's just been a, it's just been a great year, actually. You know, there's all crazy stuff going on in the world. 
financial crises left, right and centre in loads of different countries. But Star Wars keeps going and bringing us joy. My favourite item of yours is that uh, that Korean Power Force 2 model. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's, that's <laughs> just, those things are so hard to come by. That's just epic. I've, I've finished loads of uh, Shadows of the Empire runs this year. I mean, that's, there's always something to collect. If you, you know, if you, if you've done a niche line, there's fun, relatively affordable, you know, that Korean thing was quite expensive, but most of those Power of the Force 2 things are about a tenner. You know, it's just fun stuff. It just keeps, keeps the interest going, uh, until you find those sort of, those hard to find things. But then, yeah, if you go down that line, I was. I bought the the mist car with in, in the upside down bubble, didn't I? As well, I've got a, I've got a carded, molded legs Hanhoff that's hidden behind Lowe's on top of the cupboard, and that Korean one's there on display. You know, that's. that's, that's what you know, I never thought that'd be the case a few years ago. Greetings, Mr. Ghost. What can I do for you? I'm just making some shortbread for the cat. It's me, the ghost of collecting past, to show the listeners of the Vintage Rebellion how you started to collect Star Wars items. Okay, let's see. I'm so old, I've forgotten. Ooh. And here we are in Clan Smith. Everyone dancing around, swords and slapping each other with wet earrings, whilst wearing a haggis on the head at a jaunty angle. You got a problem with that, Sunshine? And now it looks as if you are unwrapping a parcel covered in paper. That's not paper. That's a skin of a bunch of Sassanacs we plundered and brought back to the clan. But then plundering was outlawed and we had to occupy ourselves with other pastimes. I decided to collect voles and stoats, carve them out and put them on display. And when we ran out of stoats and voles, I turned to Star Wars. It was far less bloody and I stopped getting into trouble with the RSPCA. Now, away we a ghost. Go on, away. Oh, okay. Ooh. Yep, right. Great introduction there, guys. Far longer than I thought this one. Was I don't think it's an introduction, it. Richard. That's just that's just the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to move over to Rebel Briefings. Fet or rotten tomato closest to farthest from and palatoid dropping in the post the rebel base is on the moon on the far side we are preparing to orbit the planet right peach fet or rotten tomato what on earth is this about 
Well, this was posted over on a few of the Facebook groups, and I spotted it on the 12 back group. But I think Annie Preston, were you the one who spotted this one first when you were um, mooting it for the show? Yeah, I stuck it on show notes, but uh, it was 12 back group that I'd seen it on as well. Uh, I don't know that it's been on many other groups, actually. It does seem to have gone a little bit under the radar, and I don't quite know what the reason is for that. But uh, yeah, carry on, Rich. Let's, uh, let's, let's hear a little bit more about what this is all about. The peach effect as it's been um, coined in, and we, we are aware of one, and the one that we are aware of is absolutely legit. Used to reside in Brian Rockfeld's collection, who is the, you know, the, the quite noted rocket fire and fet collector. I don't know if he still owns that piece or not, but I do know that the piece that we're discussing here is definitely not the one that he either owns or did own. And as you say, it is a fet. It's not rocket firing. So it's known as the peach fet because it has a peach coloured part to it. So looking at the, the fet at the moment, we've got a peach coloured helmet, peach arms, peach legs, but it has a black torso and a black backpack, uh, which pretty much matches the one that we do know about and is absolutely legit. And obviously when something like this pops up in the market, especially with it being a fet, People are like going, hmm, well, is this legit? Is it not? A website appeared, which has been set up Neil Donnelly, one of the Echo Base admins, who has shared some information on this item together with the other things that um, was in the find. And I'm just going to go through it now, guys, and then we can just stop and discuss and think whether up to that point is everything that's been said plausible. So it starts off in summer 1981. Is a young Hong Kong native... Daisy spent most of her early years with her grandmother. Daisy was part of a large family with three uncles and three aunts. 16-year-old Uncle Alan had taken up a summer job with a cleaning agency, um, servicing offices across Hong Kong. During one particular assignment in the Simsha Su district, he stumbled upon a factory outlet selling Star Wars action figures right next to his office block. Being a devoted Star Wars fan, he purchased numerous figures over the summer. He stored this growing collection in his mother's house, thinking that his young niece would enjoy playing with him. As time passed, he not only expanded his collection, but he also traded doubles with his friends. As years went by, Daisy's interest in the figures waned, and eventually at the age of 13, she was sent to boarding school in the UK. After completing her education, decided to remain in the UK, where she's lived ever since. So Pete, you're the one who's usually the most cynical amongst this. Everything there seemed plausible. Well, some part of the story had me in stitches, Richard. Servicing um, airmen, was that? Uh, what, what was that about? He wasn't servicing any men, he was a cleaner. <laughs> oh, offices. okay, yeah. Servicing <laughs> offices. Yeah, offices, yeah. Oh, the officers, I thought. Not officers. <laughs> what the hell? That's very different. Um, Richard, I just, I don't know. Just, I mean, the fact there's a, there's a website with peachfet.com with a make an offer just says it all to me, really. That's not, I'm not going to upset anyone. Right, so the story moves on then to say that Daisy crossed paths with her now partner Neil just before the onset of COVID-19. So, I mean, obviously we've we've known Neil, we've met him a few times at Echo Live. So faced with the decision of being apart, moving together, decided to take the plunge and they became a COVID couple. So Neil moved all of his crap, his words not mine, including his pain in the arse Bengal cat and his modest collection of Star Wars items. 
Daisy mentioned that used to have some of those rocket men. Um, that was in quotations from my childhood. Fast forward to September 23 and tragically Davy's grandmother, who reached the remarkable age of 100, passed away. Daisy travelled back to Hong Kong to attend the funeral and prior to returning to the UK, the family embarked on the challenging task of going through the late grandmother's possessions. Known neither love and enduring passion for Clip Stores items, they found a bucket filled with rocket men. Daisy started sending pictures to Neil asking if any of them were worth keeping Initially, as a bucket of beaters, it turned out to be a significant find. We may as well go through some of the items that turned up in this bucket, for want of a better word. So in one of the photographs, we have four what looks like standard Boba Fetts, and each of them have got a, a peach head on the top. We've got two Han Bespins, which are described as Han Torso Pulls, and we've got the peach rocket firing Fett. So it's a kind of thing... I think we'd all agree that we would just go, hmm, yeah, a lot of these found in the Far East where modern factories are churning stuff out left, right and centre, seemingly to order. Um, and I think that would have been everybody's standard reaction to this. However, what's made me pause and think, and, and obviously I don't think any of us are experts at all in head pull shots or torso pulls or anything at all but these have been apparently discussed and possibly verified by some of the the known collectors in the states what do we think guys i've just been reading about it a bit more depth today so my my first impression you know i i'm not an expert they have they've been shown to an expert and the experts say that these are legit you know i'm not i'm not about to disagree with that but my first impression of looking at these was they look exactly the same as those Power of the Force 2 prototypes that you see for sale on eBay all the time. When they first came out, about £40. They're a few hundred now as, as the years have gone by. They just look exactly the same as those. So I was instantly sceptical, and I'm still a bit sceptical. I've been looking at the images in more, in more detail on the websites, and and to be fair, the the Peach Fett with his with his black body and his peach limbs the head has that it appears to have that kind of sort of the dots you get as plastic goes a bit odd you particularly see some of the toll toys figures saying your toll toys jower gets like this the spotting on it it could just be dirt but it, it does it does look to have age to it the i thought that the three figures that have that have been uh, that are there are an odd combination um, but then the story is from summer 1981, which is when Bespin Han is out, Boba Fett is still being made, he still get first shots, uh, and Ben Kenobi is still being made and you still get first shots. So it, it sort of works. What and then, and this is my you know this isn't to why I'm casting doubt on it, but I'm just interested from from a knowledge perspective. Now I've got a head pull test, Han Hoff. Uh, and you see quite a lot of these for various characters. They're, they're sort of cast in clear clear plastic, obviously loaded down at the same time. You just get the torso and the head, and it's basically, is the mould good enough to that the head doesn't just pop off if uh, the kid tugs on it too too much? So I find it interesting that the with these, there's the, there's the one good figure with with the black body and and the limbs also cast in this sort of head pull material um and then there's just regular production bodies 
little bit battered. I know they've, they've been played with after, after going to uh, to Daisy, but with just the head on. So I'm wondering why why do some head pulls have the have the kind of the practice body and the practice head, and why are these this specially cast head just stuck on a normal body? I I would like someone someone to tell me about that. The other thing I'm interested in, I'm just looking at the at the website. Now there are all the first shots for sale, and they they tend to be Jedi figures. So clearly not from 1981. So what? Forgive me for not doing my homework, but what's the link between the first shots and these Peach Fets and? And the Ham Bespin and the and the Ben Kenobi, as Days Daisy still getting figures as the years are going by. No, so obviously your first shot is the very first because. Oh no! I, I, I know what first shot. No, it's just it's the oh, timeline, right. Richard. So so the the Fet the. Well, it's got to be quite Bespin, tight the timeline. The Fet, the Ham Bespin, and Ben Kenobi. It's all about getting them in 1981. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, no, the the website does say that 1981 is when this started with the uncle yeah. finding this uh, shop next door to where he was cleaning. But it goes on to say, as time passed, he expanded his collection and started swapping doubles with friends and workmates. And so it's basically he's continuing into the Jedi Jedi era. Yeah, I hadn't yeah okay, I hadn't picked that up when I was first reading it. So I was thinking, well, was this like a separate? A separate find but you know and i and again i you know i know a little bit about first shots i've, I've had some uh these are clearly all stamped ones they they are they look a bit different if someone's saying their first shots i've no reason to to disagree disagree with them um it's it all makes sense the story seems believable um, in fact, actually, we're going to come to uh, people with my scepticism uh, later as we do the show. I'm just wary, I suppose. I've no reason to doubt this at all, but I'm a bit wary. And I I would want, if I was about to spend a lot of money on one of these, I would, would want some someone, a Tom Darby, saying, yeah, don't worry, these are totally legit. Spend your money in, in confidence. Yeah, I totally agree. And what's getting me is the whole swapping them with other collectors because if you were a kid or a teenager say back in 1983-82 and you had one of these you'd want to swap it for a full complete one surely wouldn't you you wouldn't want you wouldn't want a pink-headed one would you if you were a kid you want a, the figure that looks like the thing in the film it's like the vinyl cape jowers are rubbish no kid wanted a vinyl cape jower they want one with the cloth cape so it's it's an odd one and also it's i mean what's with these head pull things because you get all the lily leddy spare parts don't you no one's suggesting that their first shots are just overstock why are these head pull tests first shots rather than just overstock hong kong parts as well what's the, what's the distinction so there's that nice there's that nice black and pink that i can see yeah that looks different colors um something a bit special but then just the bodies with these pink heads on I don't I don't really understand them and that's not that's not a reason to cast doubt on the story because that's just my knowledge not being very good as in they could just be unpainted overstock yeah yeah well I remember a long time ago talking to Christian from GW Kublik uh, Christian Summer and obviously he at the time was collecting head pull and various other things and to see the difference he really you know one of those I don't know what they're called but those things that you put in your eye to zoom in oh yeah yeah 
he spent ages looking at an item and he was looking for all of the little you know telltale signs of something being physically pulled so i don't think it's something at all you could tell from a photograph and these items are in the uk aren't they so i'm assuming somebody over here has had a look at these and what's getting me as well is this peach fet it matches identically another item that's known about and has been verified now my my memory of these things was surely it was just a case of any plastic that was lying around was just poured in. Yeah. So what were the chances of another figure with a black torso and peach limbs being made? And and as and it's also that peach colour is definitely on the Power of the Force two first shots. And we just I don't, I'm not aware of any other matching of colours between those two eras tends to be you know you see the rancors with fluorescent green arms don't you is that it's kind of crazy colours normally um and there's no reason why it wouldn't wouldn't be the same there's not a huge amount of time difference really between between these but yeah i just I'm, i would i would be a bit wary that's that's just me I, I don't think there's any way at all that neil's doing anything dodgy here at all i think he genuinely believes that these are legit and he's definitely got good good enough reason to believe so um it's just whether there's somebody over in the far east perhaps trying to trick the lease through and collect us i don't know but I, i'm with you I, I would want a tom darby to come round and say these are legit and not a grading company that it has to be you know like tom darby or somebody like them who knows about these and collects them and um, we've seen grading companies make multiple mistakes before the question that i've got is that if this is a legitimate find, and I've, I've got no reason to say it's not, but if it is a legitimate find, why is that this not being shouted from the rooftops all over the collecting community? Now, this website has obviously been made, but the only reference I've seen to it is a post that somebody else, not Neil Donnelly, uh, but somebody else has made on 12 Backs on the Facebook group. It's not been mentioned on Echo, which is curious because Neil is an admin on Echo. It's not been posted particularly widely on Facebook at all. And there just seems to be a lot of unanswered questions here. The website says that one of the other admin on Echo suggested that Neil speak to numerous members of the collector community in the US and the UK in order to authenticate these figures. And then it goes on to say, after taking numerous detailed photographs, speaking to knowledgeable members of the collector community and showing the figures to experts in the UK, it quickly became clear the figures were authentic. So who are these knowledgeable members of the collector community? Who are these experts? You know, you'd want to have very good provenance for potentially extremely valuable items like these. You know, we're not talking thousands, we're talking tens of thousands possibly hundreds of thousands. And Andy, there, there, was a, there was a bit of a red flag. They said they didn't, didn't want to get them graded because of the cost. And you've just summed it up. The cost of grading is, is, is insignificant to the, the dark power of the dark side. No, um, into the, uh, to the cost of what these will be if they are authenticated. I, don't, I see no reason at all not to get Certainly that peach fat graded, like triple in value, I'd have thought. The, the website says it's from 2024, it's from the future. <laughs> That's the copyright date on the website, isn't it? Yeah. Not the copyright on the uh, on the first shot. Yeah, I mean, my point of view is these look really nice and 
all the rest of it. But, you know, you, you, they say people have looked at this and said it's good. Name, name the names. Who's looked at it? Who says they're good? I mean, it's just they're for sale. But, you know, without some kind of provenance or expert reading, I, I, I would be very reluctant to part with a lot of money for some of these, nice as they are. Presumably there's some big-pocketed uh, Boba Fett collectors out there, so it's, in, it's interesting. It's not been snapped up, that's for sure. You know, who, who are these guys buying the Rocket Fets when they come up at um, Hanson's or whatever? You know, maybe they've, they've got a load of offers in and they're, they're mulling and waiting for some uh, some better ones to come in. As I say, you know, I'm far bit for me to say to look at that and say it's real, real or not. I wouldn't have a clue, but I would be very wary. If they're going to be sold for good money, then I would expect any buyer paying that sort of funds to want to know exactly how these have been authenticated. Uh, there just isn't enough detail out there at the moment for my liking. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. Closest to farthest from, so another farthest from where I couldn't go because some selfish other football team manager couldn't decide to call the game off until halfway through Saturday, which meant I was never going to make it. So I blame you, football team manager of Ambleside Football Club. Boo! But um, Jason Andy did go, so... Yes. Yeah, good time. Let's hear it. Yeah, so I'd missed the summer event because it had crashed with a friend's birthday party that I'd been going to for quite a number of years. So I was really looking forward to seeing everyone at the, the Christmas bash. I managed to get accommodation based in Fording Bridge at the refurbished Augustus John, which had been closed for a number of years, and refurbished as a place called The Railway, which was a delight. Uh, the room, I mean, it's like the nicest room I've ever stayed at in Vordingbridge by a long way. You know, the the crown and the ship over the road are very convenient for being across the road. But, I mean, some of the rooms are just quite minty these days. But the refurbished railway, the food was lovely, accommodation, absolutely fantastic. Cost a lot more than um, the ship and the crown, but um, I was there with my, my, my new lady friend, and she thought the hotel was absolutely lovely. So uh, that was good. I went, took her to the meal on the Saturday after after the fun day. I didn't actually go to the fun day because um, the hotel was so nice and the room was so nice. It's just like rather than just go out and come back to the room late at night and then go up and go to breakfast, actually spend time in the hotel. So... Um, but the the meal itself was uh, really good. The entertainment was organised by our fellow podcasters, Generation Skywalker, and they did a really good job of that. The meal was provided by the, I think it was the Crown. Normally, the, the you know you kind of you say oh the meal starts at half seven, so you would kind of like go over at eight, and the meal might turn up at half eight. No, it was um, you can you can tell it was like military style timing on this because uh, we, we were approaching um, half seven and one of the staff came over where we were watching um, watching Spoon's um, team lose, lose at football and they came and said right it's, uh, your, your, your meals will be served in like five minutes time and you know they did they turned up on the dot at half past seven so um, it was all very well very well, nicely laid out we had crackers and tablecloths and um, it was nice seeing everyone who was there 
the entertainment uh, again was all, as I say, was all organised by Generation Skywalker. There were um, panels for the main guests, Pablo and Baz, games. So there was like a stand-up quiz where you had to. But there was one where you had to sit down. It was just randomly you 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 got drawn characters' names out of the hat, and the last one standing got a prize. And then there was a quiz where we had to take on Pablo um, on knowledge of all areas of Star Wars. Uh, I came second last. Uh, Pablo won by quite a large distance, I thought. Um, so, you know, hats off to Pablo and all his uh, expanded universe knowledge. He is like a Star Wars god in terms of his knowledge. The talks, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a hardcore vintage collector, not really big into the expanded universe and stuff, but I, I found Pablo's talk really fascinating. It was really good. I'm glad I got to see it. And Baz as well. His, uh, his talk was very good as well. The room sales, um, I did go to the room sales, but only was able to stay for 10 minutes because uh, my girlfriend was quite tired and uh, needed to go back on a bus that they'd laid on to take everybody who was staying at the railway back to the hotel. Because it's like about a 20-minute walk, and some of the roads are a bit dark and they aren't lit particularly well. Uh, and so it was just me and her on the bus, and everybody else uh, carried on with the room sales and then walked home at about um, half two, three in the morning, I, got, I think I got told. Breakfast at the railway was lovely, and then managed to get a taxi back down to the town hall. The town hall wasn't completely full of tables. There was a little bit of space left, but it was a good selection of stuff there. I was there with Spoons, who turned up. We had the Vintage Rebellion table there, so we had like a big banner and various Vintage Rebellion bits and bobs. And, um, yeah, it was lovely seeing everyone. For me, the, the Christmas show is, is a social I didn't really buy or sell particularly much, but, you know, that, that show is all about, for me, it's all about the Christmas meal and catching up with friends and having a good time. And I did do that, and uh, I'm really glad I went. So that was my kind of take on the show. Spoons, what, what was your impression of the whole thing? Yeah, time? I think you, you summed it up very well there, Jason. The, it, was a, it was a good event, and the, the evening due was pretty much sold out. And as Jason says, yeah, that meals being served at half seven was unheard of. So, yeah, it did, did take me away from the Arsenal pain. Missed the last five minutes of the game. It's no bad thing. Obviously, a lot better result today. It's been a good day for football today. And then the, the Generation Skywalker guys did a, did a very good job. So Jez had hosting duties, kind of the, the Dave role he might be, or Mark Newbold might do that kind of stuff. So he did the interviews. I didn't really know who Barry, it's uh, Gingel, is it? Because it looks like Jingle is very apt for Christmas, but I think it's Gingel Baz. He was really interesting and clearly a fan as well. In fact, I, I didn't get around to doing it. So it'd be good to get a chat with him and uh, a, bit of re- a bit of recording. But he, he was well ensconced with the Generation Skywalker guys on the uh, on the main day. So I didn't get around to do it. We'll get him on the show at some point. Uh, it, yeah, his, his work on Andor, designing all the um, the look of the thing from, from a graphic design point of view was, was really interesting. He was also uh, Anto Krieger, who appeared briefly in it. I couldn't remember who he was in in, in that, but yeah, it's very interesting. Didn't really know much about Pablo Hidalgo either, but um, very, yeah, very very interesting talk, very engaging. A good night. The room sales, so that was that was something different. So Father Strom's not had those before, and I did stay for I think pretty much the duration. Um, so it was the room upstairs in the town hall for those those that have been there. It's you know, pretty small, maybe probably no more than eight eight people selling. 
But some good stuff, you know, I, as I said earlier, in my uh, latest acquisitions, I certainly uh, bought a fair bit there. Um, I think it's Jonathan that we see regularly at Echo. He's part of the Fanta Traps crowd. He he sold all his uh, modern stuff to Roundster. Paul Davis has got his uh, Carbonite collectibles in, in Hereford these days. So there's, there's a lot of, lot of trading going on. It's, it's interesting things. I think as the show goes on, I can see that becoming more and more popular. And, and, that, and that actually sort of gets to the main point. I think post-COVID, you know, there's been a little bit of a slow return to Fathers From. This was this was definitely one of the busier ones. And I think, was it Dark Side Alliance? Is that them? Who were, they were due to have about six tables uh, at the main show on the Saturday and then cancelled at the 11th hour. So there was a bit of backfilling those spaces. So we, we got an extra table and I know that Roundster did as well. So there was, there was a, there's a bit of gap that probably wouldn't have been there if they, if they turned up like they were meant to. I think it was them. Forget, apologies if it was someone else, but the stuff there was a good collection of vintage actually. So, uh, there was a, a steady crowd, a uh, few people coming in off the street, a few families. It was good to see what, what was different and is also different about the crown in the old days certainly i've only really been to the christmas ones you go to the crown about five o'clock before the, the meal it's just full of star wars nerds and you have a catch-up it's not quite like that it hasn't been like that for a while i think it will get back to being like that again so on the day there, there were a few familiar faces but maybe not so not so many that we used to see of, of the sort of main collectors but i would say pretty more newer faces which i thought was was very promising and i think going forward it was a really successful day and i can see you know that gets out room sales good selection of vintage on the day i can see next year being being busier again and, and, I, and, I, and I hope it keeps on on building from that um yeah i don't think there's really much much more to add but yeah thank thanks dave thanks generation skywalk again guys it was um yeah really really good weekend palatoid dropping on the post is this this book is it finally here yes it the, the cover looks nice but so, i haven't got my copy yet so over to you guys oh jason i got his copy oh no can you can you, can you hear this jason flicking through did the pages you, did you guys do the the upper level with the postcards. I think it might they might be holding back, waiting for the postcards or something. I've got my postcards here. They're lovely, Jason. I'm a signed uh, uh, sign uh, poster. Uh, I think Bob went. Oh, not that Jason Smith again. I think I'll just oh, throw it in the bin. Jason, what have you done? What have you said to him? I haven't said anything. Maybe he asked why he didn't send it. He didn't say it to well, him. At least, at least my name's in the book, so that's something. It might just be alphabetical. Me and me and Presto a bit earlier in the alphabet than you. Yeah, could be. Maybe the cat's hopefully, got it'll, it. hopefully it'll come before Christmas. A Christmas miracle. A Christmas palatoid miracle. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about how great the book is. And what I'm yeah, come on, ignore Jason now. He hasn't got his book. You two boys, what what's it like? Well, when your book arrives, Jason, I think you're going to enjoy it. I, t- I tell you what it's not. It's not a book all about Star Wars. So anybody thinking it is is going to be disappointed. But it's far more interesting than that, I think. Uh, it goes right from day one. So it really is the story of Palatoy. Um, so it starts off with Alfred Pallet and who he was and how he started off. It goes through how it changed from, forget what he was making first, but how he got into making toys. It goes through the 20s, 30s, 40s, right up to in the 1980s when Pelotoy folded. 
Uh, and there is so much content and so much detail in there. A lot about the manufacturing process and the different plastics and the different methods that they used and how and why they moved from one uh, type of manufacturing to another. It talks about the different factories. It talks about some of the workers, some of the designers. And, of course, all the product lines are in there, everything that you'd expect. Uh, so you, you've got the, 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 the dolls. You've got Action Man, Action Force. Uh, you've got, of course, Star Wars. Uh, there's, you know, ev- everything uh, everything Palatoid did. Pocketeers, nice section of Pocketeers, uh, Six Million Dollar Man. The, the book is really, really comprehensive, and it does exactly what it's set out to be, which is to tell the Palatoid story. Uh, it's very well presented. It's beautifully made. There's some lovely illustrations in there, photos that I've not seen before of sort of Star Wars presented at toy fairs and things, cardboard, Death Star, uh, and the, the prototypes of that. And... Although I've only had a chance to flick through it, I've not read it in detail yet. I can see over Christmas I'm really going to enjoy spending a few hours sat down and going through this in detail and reading every word because it, 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 it deserves it. Good book. What do you reckon, Andy? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. So I've, I've just flicked through it. I've not read it in detail, but it's exactly as you describe it. And it's probably, yeah, if you are hoping for a thick tome on, on Star Wars, you're not going to get it. But Bob made that pretty clear from the start. There's a good chunk of Action Man in it, which which I'm, you know, pleased by, excited by, but I'm just as interested in all the other stuff. I don't know much about Action Force. You know, there's, there's a, a nice bit on the end there. It's also what I have read of it. It's, it's thrown up questions. So when um, Bob was talking at Echo that we did in our show a few few months back, he mentioned during that talk that he'd he'd been out to in America and visited the Fundamentions team to discuss the diecast Star Wars line because they were released released by Fundamentions and Palatine were picking them up here and I and I chimed in and said well no Kenner Kenner released them in um, America and he said oh okay I thought it was Fundamentions but in the book. He talks again about going to Fundamentions to look at the diecast. So was it like Chad Valley here that Chad Valley nearly, you know, released the 12 inch figures? There's, I think there's some Argos catalogs, aren't there, with Chad, Chad Valley logo above a Darth Vader? Did Fundamentions nearly release diecast? I'd be interested in to pick his brain on that. So I'm sure, you know, that's just me having a quick skim through. There's going to be tons of stuff like that, that little nuggets of what appear to be throwaway comments could actually be some sort of quite significant information in, in the hobby. Uh, so yes, yes. Fantastic. But really well put together. Lovely images, that great new book smell as well, Jason, can you imagine it? So yeah, I think it's definitely one to buy. We've seen one on eBay today, haven't we going for 50 pounds? I should have bought so maybe, that one. Should have got maybe that. that's someone disappointed <laughs> that hasn't got so much Star Wars in, or maybe they just read it cover to cover for first day and right. Off it goes, but yeah, I think I think it'd be a good one. And in terms of the extras, but I mentioned those, so I, you get a set of postcards with the pack that um, Jason and I did, and they're really nice as well. So they're they're um, six different toy lines, and each of them, and I won't I won't go into them, but in each of them, it's got the like someone's written them to someone on the back, so there's a nice message. And the uh, the last one is uh, mainline trains, and a nice uh, nice note from Brian Turner on the back of there and you got Tressy writing to Cindy on another one. Yeah, I said I wasn't going to go into it. A nice Star Wars one from THX one one three eight to TR two six five seven eight. I've got uh who's that? 
Pippa, <laughs> Pippa in a nice pink, pink truck, a nice uh, Action Force one with the um, that skull tie fighter thing. What's that thing called? That's Bob's favourite item, isn't it? I should know that. Uh, and then yeah, and the, the that space. would be the Robo Skull. Thank you very much, Andy. That's Chris um, Portis's favourite item as well. He's done yeah, to get one of them. I've got a signed photo of the Robo Skull from Bob. <laughs> I should know. And then yeah, the last one's the Space Ranger and Captain Zargon um, with a contact report on the postcard. So just really nice items. And, and the posters, basically uh, the cover art for the book, but that, that's signed by Bob. Just a nice, nice package, and you know, be a prize book on my shelf. Anyway, that's for sure. Let's just hope Jason doesn't shed any tiny tears about this and not have his book. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> has it got tiny tears in it is that interesting there's a whole chapter on tiny tears yeah it's got yeah. tiny tears Good I think me and, and, me and Andy have pippered Jason at the post <laughs> <laughs> but does uh, Jason really care bear about it all has, has Bob <laughs> breaking his heart over this black <laughs> book oh, oh quality puns gentlemen quality <laughs> Good quality punnage. Right, let's move on before we go mad. So we're coming to the end of the show now, um, but in true Scrooge tradition, we need to look at the ghost the Star Wars collecting yet to come. So as ever, the question that's on most people's lips on this one is, realistically, how long are you planning on going to cons? Are you going to keep on collecting, keeping involved with social media, etc.? Perhaps we're all going to change the ways. Will the podcast keep going on or will there be changes? So, where am I going to go with this one first? Let's go to... Who's the oldest in the team? Andy Preston is you, isn't it? Okay, so Andy Preston, I mean, realistically, other than cosplaying as um, Davros... Sorry, Andy, Preston, how old are you? He's about... Yeah, J- J- Jason's got a couple of years on me. Uh, I'm not so certain on that. But will you, Andy Preston, will you be going to a Doctor Who convention cosplaying as Davros in your wheelchair? Or by that point, will you admit it's finally too much and call it a day? No, I very much hope so. Um, as long as I have the, the, the inclination and the ability, you know, the, the health, then I don't see any reason why I should stop doing what I'm doing. I love it. Enjoy it. Um, you know, you, you do see guys significantly older than us at the conventions and at the toy shows and so on. Uh, you know, you've got the railway crowd who are now getting into their sort of 70s, 80s, and they're still going around. They're still doing the toy fairs. They're still buying and selling. So, yeah, why the hell shouldn't we? Um, in terms of uh, cosplaying, again, yeah, you know, you might uh, look at some perhaps slightly older characters to <laughs> to, to cosplay as. But uh, uh, I think, you know, if in my head, I don't see myself as in the 50s. I see myself as probably, uh, I don't know, late 20s, something like that. 
Um, and I think as long as I have that, uh, I, I would say I have a fairly youthful outlook, then I'll keep doing exactly what I want to do. Thank you very much. Uh, don't care what anybody else thinks. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy collecting. I enjoy going to the cons. I enjoy going to the shows. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna carry on doing it, Richard. I am. Jason, we'll come up with you next. And so obviously, I mean, you've spent most of your life traveling to cons, cosplaying, getting involved with community, interacting on social media. Can you see a time in the future where all that's going to stop or perhaps pull back? Well, when I when I uh, you know turn senile, maybe. But um, no, let me go to cons. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy. Echo, farthest from Celebration Japan, planning to go to that. I've got um, Rogue Fun next year in Atlanta, looking forward to that one. Collecting, you know, I kind of like at some point the house I'm in, if I move somewhere else and I, you know, maybe I downsize, I don't know. At the point at which I kind of lose this house, there's a kind of point where you think maybe I would get rid of a lot of the stuff I've collected and downsize at some point. That would be the point at which it would happen, I would think. Until then, I really enjoy collecting. It's just trying to find new lines of stuff that I can collect and places to display it. Using social media, I mean, I've got um, the original Gangster Facebook group. It's going to turn up, I think it's going to be 80,000 members in a couple of days' time, and it's not getting any smaller. I've been thinking about whether I should take a more active part of that and try and admin it all the time, but it's just... There's a, it's it's like the Wild West of Star Wars collecting. So it's kind of like, uh, it's a thankless task, and it's one that will just keep going and going. But, yeah, no, I mean, I, I love all these things, and um, I do love my cosplay. I don't do Star Wars cosplay yet. I was kind of thinking when I was a bit older, but I was, I've was i lost weight for this. I, w- I would kind of like to do Uncle Owen, maybe with an Aunt Beru. That'd be a fun cosplay to do. So if I was going to do a Star Wars one, but um, yeah, I really like it. I can't see myself changing anytime soon. Andy Spoons, you mentioned that one of your highlights is going to the Action Man Con, and when you're at the Action Man show, you almost feel like one of the young'uns. So does that give you inspiration? It does a little bit. I haven't been for a while actually. Yeah, so it's, they it's tend to clash, and, and then there was one that didn't this year, and I, I missed it. Um, yeah, I don't. I see us as a, a bunch of collectors now. You know, there will be people that drop away and there'll be people that come in. I, I see it. It's like Andy said, you go to these train fairs and things and there's people in their 60s and 70s. I see no reason at all why farthest from in 20 years' time won't still be there. We'll just be a lot older, creakier knees. Um, I've, you know, it's been doing this for uh, half my life, if not more. Why I don't see why I would, I would stop now. But again, Jason hit the nail on the head if you're downsizing it, it sort of it affects what you can collect and you know maybe maybe we'll be thinning things out a little bit um will there be a market for it it's uh yeah it's what we do has anyone told dave tree he's going to be doing for this from in 20 years time yeah <laughs> <laughs> get those christmas puddings from the crown how many christmas puddings would have been served in that time and Pete, can you still realistically see yourself going as you are in the next 10 years time? Yeah, blokes have made to collect. That's what is in our DNA. It's in our 
it's in every sinew of our bodies. It's just the way it is. I said, we, you see the train collectors, you see the, the, the car collectors, you see them sports memorabilia collectors. It, it won't end. You guys have got kids. I mean, can you see the next generation doing what we do? But they probably will be because they'll they'll probably go back and collect, you know, the old computer games or the consoles or something or other they had when they were kids that they remember that's physical and they can, they can collect it. But there'll probably be a new form of of collecting, you know, some sort of digital world that they, they will all meet up in a pub to get drunk and swap digital images of goodness knows what. I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but I'm sure it will work. We do seem to be going back to more physical things again. You know, we've gone away, away from everything. We've gone all digital and MP3s and stuff, and then we're kind of going back to vinyl and uh, CDs. I mean, CDs are being sold more than they ever were, I think, again. Thank you, Seth. Yeah, yeah, because it's not quite so much, but they are they are being made. In terms of cons, I mean, as I said, well, I, I got um, Russell from our Leamington Spa or Leamington area collectors, our new collectors club. Um, he was very generous, and I again had a, a, a weekend rained off uh, for football. So he said, "Look, yeah, I've got some tickets for him. Comic Con, you want to go?" So I popped along. Not really my thing anyway, because last time I went, I was a bit like, oh, "Well." So I had his tickets, found someone else to give the, the other tickets to when I got there, a, a bloke and his lad. Um, so I went in and I thought, well, maybe I'm a bit old here. Um, it was just, it was like anime stuff mostly. Which, which MCM was this? This was in Birmingham. Like oh, okay. Right. I was out of that one. Yeah. So, it, you know, it, it was lots of cosplay and stuff. But, but, but what you have to say is that was a whole new generation of people. So... It was all anime stuff. Well, not all anime, but lots of anime. There was comics there, but they were kind of like over the other side for us oldens to walk over and have a look. There was props, you know, it was all that sort of stuff. There was lots of stuff to look at. Not really my kind of scene, some of it, but what was happening was there was lots of people buying stuff. And it, these are 20-somethings buying lots of things, physical items, not digital, physical. They were buying sort of like replica props. There was wonderful store selling kind of like leathery goods like uh you know and horns you know to drink out of oh uh, those drinking, drinking horns yeah i mean all that stuff was there and being purchased and and people were really spending the money you know i saw stores you know fighting to to sell stuff so people are still collecting items so these events won't go away i don't believe i mean i was i was more surprised how many young people were there buying crap than there were old people like me trying to find comics and Star Wars items. I did buy a couple of comics, but nothing major. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention this. I had this conversation with my mum the other day, you know, why why do people say, oh, you're too old for that? Why? Why am I too old for that? Why can't I enjoy the things I enjoy? And just like Andy said, I'm going to be doing this when I'm 70 if I survive that long, because it's just fun. It's just fun. And we should always remember, have fun. And don't do what other people tell you to do, unless it's illegal, then you should listen. Right, guys, and to wrap up our final part of the show, what are you looking forward to in your collecting journey in 2024? I've got, I needed two cards for a Triloco 70C run. I think I've got one of them. It's on its way. So if I could get the other one, that would be another complete Paratoy run that I haven't done for a long time. That would be quite nice. And then it's just um, filling in little gaps in um, kind of runs that I've got where I'm missing various bits. I really need to kind of find something. I mean, the thing that I found to collect recently was Star Wars Spectrum games, and I kind of need a new kind of thing where I haven't got any of them because, you know, the other stuff doesn't come up as much anymore. And 
next year con-wise. I'm really looking forward to Rogue, Rogue Fun in Atlanta. So um, that should be good. Pete, what are you most looking forward to in 2024? Um, I've kind of finished a lot of my, my runs that I, you know, over the years intended to sort of put together and stuff. I mean, I was sort of, oh, do I need more mocks? I kind of got the mocks I want, really. Maybe a Darth Vader mock, but I'm not that bothered by it. I've got the ones that I loved as a kid, you know, the figures that, you know, like Ham Bespin and stuff. So I've got all those, you know, Cloud Car Pilot, Bespin Guard. So um, I, I haven't really looked at a mock for a long time. So that's kind of gone over the wayside. I've done my comics, done my loose figures, done the car backs, got a bunch of you know, trading cards and stuff, the trading cards I had as a kid. So I, I, I think probably this year it will be doing more carbonite block things and more Bespin freeze chamber items. And I've got quite a few sets of Bespin freeze chambers of all sorts of, you know, vintage and modern sets. There's just one more that's eluding my grasp. So I'll try and find that if they re- redo the run which is that Hallmark one with the music. Might just get a few more of the ships I, didn't, I don't really have. So I don't have a lot of ships. I've got like the Atat and Maya Falcon and X-Wing and stuff, but I wouldn't mind getting a few other ones. I said I wouldn't mind getting the Rebel Troop Transport now after Jason now convinced me um, and his passionate plea. I wouldn't mind get, picking one of those up because it's like, yeah, that's a good display piece. It's big and you can stick figures in it. So yeah, I, I'll probably look to f- pick up a few more of the ships can I get like a tie interceptor? I've only got one TIE fighter, the blue one you gave me actually, Rich, funny enough. Still got that on my shelf, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, a few more vintage Star Wars items maybe, um, toy-wise. Um, so I've, I've, I've scratched the, the micro collection itch, that's done. I don't want any more of that because I only ever wanted the Bespin world, which I've now got all that stuff. So trading cards, not vintage trading cards, but I do like the, the modern runs of Star Wars trading cars i do i do like those so i'll probably go a bit more in on trading cars i like picking up random lots and then put together sets and stuff so but uh, yeah it's it's um it's kind of for me um you know it's finding those random amadala items that that's the fun at the moment because it's a real good hunt because there's always tack coming up and then of course you get the the really random obscure items and uh, that's why I'm kind of looking forward to hopefully getting a chance to go to Japan because I reckon I might find some even more obscure items over there. Well, for me, my highlight of 2024 is definitely going to be visit Tunisia because I am all booked up. I'm raring to go and I can't wait for it. I've got uh, lots of top tips from Gus who's helped me with plotting things such as where to go, what time, etc. So very, very uh, valuable information, saving us a load of time. So, thank you very much, Gus. Andy Spoons. Well, I'm uh, just Pete made me think of something I've been after that forgotten completely about then. So, I still need the uh, the foil cards from my Shadows of the Empire oh. Tops collection. Yeah, oh. and um, occasionally see a set for sale and, uh, and they're not actually in there. They're, people get confused, but I do need those. But vintage wise, there's, there's a lot I still want. So, Missing accessories for 12-inch figures, a, a Leia shoe, a Ben Sabre, I think they're the key ones. I still want the IG-88. In fact, actually, there's one for sale this week on Facebook for a relatively reasonable price, but it's just been it's been a pricey month or two, and it's Christmas, so I'll, I'll, wait, I'll wait a bit longer before, before buying that. 
I do need to finish off those those diecast runs. Uh, there's not too many more to go, but the big issue at the moment is the next video to do is the Imperial Cruiser. I've only got two of those. There are only five in total, but I need at least three if I'm going to do a video. So I've been on my, uh, looking out for that for a few months. I need one soon, so I'm panicking a little bit now. But otherwise, you know, whatever whatever pops up looks interesting, and I think that'll look nice in my in my collection room, whether it's a giant Darth Vader head or a, a set of Japanese tops cards. You know, there's great stuff out there. I'm surprised Spoons didn't mention that uh, he and I are off uh, to Hoth. Well, I, I did think that, Andy, when I, uh, Richard mentioned Tunisia, but I thought I'd leave that to you as uh, you've arranged it and I'm tagging along. So, uh, Yeah, um, end of February, um, there's a an event, Hoth Strikes Back, which is being held in a hotel 1222 in Fincer. Uh, so uh, me and Spoons are going along to that. Uh, they've got various personnel from the behind the scenes. I think there's four or five special guests and hopefully we'll be able to trek out to the glacier and go and see the battlefield, uh, Han Solo Rock, uh, all the all the scenes, all the places where they'd filmed and just experience that wonderful atmosphere. Uh, it really is like no other place on Earth. So uh, I've been before, Spoons' first time, but thoroughly looking forward to that otherwise no celebration this year but there's going to be plenty of great events i am sure uh, echo base has already been announced for april the 13th uh, dave i'm uh, dave will uh, usually leave it to a little bit closer to the time to announce farthest from but uh, i would imagine there'll be one of those in the spring or summer in terms of collecting well the joy of having such a wide focus uh, anything vintage and british is that you never know what's going to pop up I'm just going to keep on looking out for nice stuff that I haven't got yet. It'd be nice to finish off some runs. Uh, I've got one bag that I need to finish off my Frankel and Roth run. And there's always those uh, Helix 10 felt pens. I came very close to a set this year. Didn't quite bid enough at auction. Uh, so I will be keeping an eye out for those. But otherwise, just nice to add some bits. Uh, oh, and a, a vintage, nice vintage crew item. Uh, I've not picked one of those up for a while, so that will be on my list in 24. So are you going to let uh, Spoons wear your, your vintage crew coat? Well, that, that's that's a good question. If, if, it, if I take it, then yeah, absolutely. But uh, uh, it's a rather expensive item. To, yeah. <laughs> to, yeah, but it's so, worth it. It's going home. It, it is, it is. And uh, Harold Leistat, who's the guy that had it originally and had it commissioned and was involved in the making of the jackets, he's going to be there. So, yeah, it'd be nice to sign it, Andy. Or you it would, get him to sign it and then stitch it, it in. Yeah, it, it would It would be nice to take it along, but I'm not sure yet. Oh, would you get it signed, Andy? Well, I've, I've got his autograph already, so, yeah, don't know, don't know. Can add a few grand. Get, get to, would it? Get him to wear it and roll around in the snow. Yeah. Take a picture of him doing it and say, right, this is my coat. Take a picture of something that's unique and then sign the inside of it. Sign the inside of it. Yeah, I've got plenty of pictures of him wearing it. In fact, this this was the very first prototype jacket. So I've got a picture of him wearing it before it had any um, patches or Star Wars-y stuff on it at all. He he just had gone out into the snow and ice to test it. Andy, I think you have to take it. Yeah, I might. A spoon's talent. I've got to buy a load of cold stuff. I've uh, yeah, basically got a. Uh, just wear his coat. Just, they're not actually that warm. 
<laughs> no, I, th- I think back in the day, it was before um, all the sort of modern uh, fibers and so on had been invented. So it was more about uh, building up the layers rather than having one not nice, good, thick coat. Andy said he's thin now, so he can uh, he can put loads and loads of layers underneath and, and then pad it out nicely. Go on, you've got to take, you've got to take that. If he's there, you've got to take it. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. It will be yeah. the ball of the ball. Looking forward to that. of Christmas collecting past and I'm here to see Andrew Preston Hello, who are you? What are you doing in my bedroom? It's gone past 10pm It's me the ghost of collecting past to show the listeners of the Vintage Rebellion podcast how you started to collect British Star Wars items Oh, Okay then, let's see it. There I am in my field in Yeovil with my collection of fine turnips. And what are you doing with that turnip? I'm obviously polishing it, ain't I? That's my favourite turnip, Mr. Turnip McTurnipface. He won me best in show two years running. But he didn't quite make it for the third year. Oh, and now we see you looking so sad in a field of dead, rotting turnips. Well, I polished them a bit too much, used a bit too much Mr Sheen, you see, and ended up killing the whole bloody field. I was banned from keeping turnips, so... I turned to collecting British Star Wars items. And that's it, really. Can I go back to bed now? Oh, okay. Well, guys, 2023 has been absolutely wonderful to all of us. So, from me and the rest of the podcast team to all our listeners, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas or whatever holiday season you celebrate and a happy new year so lads another one done another year over pete said it's 10 on the next one 10 years uh, who would have thought would be here 10 years later pete it's goodbye from you well everyone have a lovely christmas and enjoy whatever you are getting up to and don't drink too much because you're getting old now and things will fall off it's goodbye from andy spoons norton farewell all uh yeah have a lovely christmas brilliant new year Eggnog all round. It's horrible stuff, eggnog. Actually, don't oh, it's don't rancid. Drink. Yeah, don't yeah, drink yeah. that. Silly thing. Ginger wine. That's a Christmassy thing that's all right, isn't it? Ginger wine all round. It's a goodbye from Jason Smith. Oh, a great Christmas, everyone. And have a great Hogmanay. Hogmanay. It's a goodbye from Andy Preston. Merry Christmas, everybody, and may the festive force be with you. And it's a later, guys, from me. And remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. (laughs) 
This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Can I go back to bed now? Oh, okay. Ooh, ooh.